The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Matt Seidel, and you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frogs. From the Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith On today's show we'll be previewing the best of Super Junior and World Tag League Finals And the Super J Cup Answering your questions and covering all of this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network And keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice And leaving a rating and review You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting SocialSuplex.com slash donate. Click on that donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. Young boy, it is the three-year anniversary of Keeping It Strong Style. Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style with your host, the young boy Joshua Smith. And his co-host, Jeremy Donovan. We appreciate you supporting us through the years. Three years of anniversary. It's a big deal. <laughs> That's my ASMR voice. <laughs> the, you didn't know you guys were getting the ASMR version of Keeping a Strong Style this week. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Three years. Three years. This is episode 158. Man. I would like to say that right now, this moment in time, this is absolutely undoubtedly the longest both of our hair has ever been while we've been recording this show. It is. It <laughs> is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, my man. God. Yeah, man. Three years. Um, you know, uh, we've done like retrospectives in the past. I, I don't necessarily feel like doing the whole retrospective thing necessarily. But, you know, thank you guys who are returning listeners who've been with us all the way. Thank you for new listeners who are jumping on now. And, um, you know, don't believe the naysayers. New Japan's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just echo that. Thank you guys for the support. Everybody on Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, everybody that's downloading, streaming, you know, people who might be, you know, finding us to steal the audio, even though it's free. <laughs> we thank you for listening and supporting, keeping the strong style over the years. 
And it's not hard to support it because you're listening to the ace of podcasts. Yes. Going the, strong, three years. The best New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast in the world. Yeah. You don't got to like it, but you better learn to live with it. <laughs> <laughs> the longest running weekly episodic New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. Yeah. All I can say is this episode is going to be huge. <laughs> Look at it. Well, uh, you know, before we continue on, you know, last week we told the listeners uh, about your showcase match that you were having at the side dojo. Uh, you know, and we had, we had some questions. Some listeners were, were kind of curious of what, what was going down. Of course, we got a question here from Muzza. He said, did Jeremy have to bring out the garrote wire for Young Boy's match? Was there a fuck finish? And did Young Boy do a Boston Crab? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so, Jeremy, tell, tell us. So, I, I did not bring the garrote wire. I, I thought about it, but, you know, I didn't, you know we were going to be behind a wall. I didn't, I didn't think I had time to make the run-in. Uh, so yeah, there was no garrote wire. Yeah, we kept y'all behind a wall like it was the Capitol Wrestling Center. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I was also to bang on the plexiglass. Uh, Did so you guys do that? No, you guys should have. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. I wonder. I wonder how Matt would have. Re- yeah, I didn't know if, if Matt would have uh, been cool with that or not. I'm gonna ask him. That yeah. that kind of sounds like it might. I don't know. It might be cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there there was no Boston Crab from the young boy. But listen. Um, what I will say is that there was an open opportunity for me to get and apply the Boston Crab, but I had just recently been dropped in my head. I was discombobulated. Uh, the, the moment just, you know, overwhelmed me, and I kind of forgot the game plan, uh, mm-hmm. much to my detriment. But, yeah, young boy, he, he opened up the show, you know, hot opener uh, on this uh, side dojo showcase, and got to say, man, it was some good good stuff. Thanks, man. I try. Working hard, yeah, man. Putting that putting that train to work uh, against uh, Mister Entertainment uh, Xander Creed. Is that yes. So uh, I didn't find him to be that entertaining personally. Yeah, uh, there was nothing much entertaining about the, that gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> I found it to be very painful. <laughs> it was not fun or entertaining for me. And we had a question from uh, EMJ does PR. He said, "Did you do the job?" Uh, just joking. Correct. Congrats, but. Um, yeah, you unfortunately, you know, you got you got caught in the uh, submission hole there, and what are you talking about? Yeah, you, you had to do the JLB that night. That's unfortunate. What are you talking about? That was an exhibition. That was not an, an official sanctioned match at all. My record is zero and zero currently. I know. I saw, Rich was uh, setting up the cage match profile for you. That's not official. <laughs> I'll have to dispute that. If he puts that up on the cage match, there's going to be a dispute. That was not uh, an official sanctioned match. I'm still undefeated in the sport of professional wrestling currently. Yeah, so that, that's... Don't you forget about it. That was like Kenny and Mox won. Uh, well, yeah, Kenny just beat Mox in their first match. <laughs> Same thing with me. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, the Side Dojo Showcase, fun little show. It was good to be out at a somewhat local indie, not really show, but show. Um, Bro, you guys got the hookup. It was a secret show in a secret warehouse. Nobody knew about it. Not advertised. Invitation only. I mean, I took care of you guys. I gave you. I, we rolled out the carpet. It wasn't a big carpet, but it was that little carpet <laughs> right there where you guys were standing. And yeah, yeah, started getting some of our you know our new chants over. Doing we're doing some AAA chants now. 
Peligro, peligro, brutal, brutal. <laughs> so that, that's that's the new gimmick now for us uh, going forward for wrestling shows, dropping in the AAA chance. You saw me hit that rainmaker though, right? Yeah, you did. You got you got you got, you got wrist control. Hit, the, hit the, that that short arm lariat, that rainmaker for near fall. I mean, it wouldn't have mattered because it was an exhibition, right? Right. But it, had you had won, would it, would have it uh, counted on the record? No, I, I'm I'm a man of my word. It was. Mm. A non-sanctioned match. It was an exhibition. God. <laughs> uh, last question here from Dom Homie 101. He says, with, so if the young boy trained to be a pro wrestler, when will we see Jeremy Donovan start in his in-ring training? Because we need to see a team kiss to unify both the IWGP Junior and IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team titles. LOL. I mean, I think Jeremy could definitely train if he wanted to. I could. I, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I, I want to dust off the, you know, the wrestling shoes and get back in the mix. I don't know. I know a guy that can train yet. <laughs> <laughs> Do you now? <laughs> uh, yeah. Listen, you, you saw my technical acumen. You saw I was hitting, you know, um, standing switches, you know, sit outs, all that shit. You saw it with your own two eyes. I did. I, yeah, I was a live witness. Bro, we'd basically be Team Angle. Yeah, we, we would. It'd be amazing. Hmm. Maybe I'll, I'll think about it, Dom Homie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one last thing before we uh, jump in here. The awards. So uh, we got some time left on the awards. Voting's going to end uh, a little bit closer to the end of this month, probably around the 18th. For the Keeping a Strong Style Year End Awards, I want to thank you to everybody that's voted so far. We are very close uh, to hitting where we want to get with the number of voters. So, if you haven't voted yet, I know some of you guys are still trying to, you know, rewatch some matches, watch some of the excursion, mat- excursion matches, to make sure you have accurate, you know, ballots. But get that rewatching done. Get those ballots in. Share the ballots in your groups, on your discords, on Twitter. Get those votes in because literally. Every vote matters, including those second and third place votes. You might not understand why we do that or might not think it matters. You might throw those votes away. But I'm telling you, looking at some categories, those second and third place votes are going to be very crucial to the when we're adding up these uh, votes here. We're going to wait for the uh, award show. And we got a pretty great guest coming on for that, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't want to jinx it in case something happens, but... Yeah, we don't want to false advertise. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say, this is the one thing I'll say, and then we'll move on. Um, almost every year, I feel like we have a very, like, accurate read and finger on the pulse of the year of New Japan and what's been going on, what, you know, what how people are going to vote, who's going to win. I mean, I can usually just tell you, like, this is winning this, this is winning this, and, like, with about 95% certainty, and I think you can too. Um, I'm telling you right now that I would have been wrong about 70% of the time on these awards. Yeah, I was looking at some of these categories, I'm like, (laughs) man, I'm out of touch. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, and I'm not sure if it's, like, people are voting, but they weren't paying attention all year, or if there is a different feeling amongst the diehard fans that are here that defer from our own, and maybe we are kind of like these outliers who've lost touch, you know. And if that's the case, I'm wondering if the people listening to our show like listen in anger, you know, because, <laughs> because these awards <laughs> defer so greatly from 
our views, but I feel, I always felt like we were like right in the heart of it. And I guess, I don't know, man, but the, the votes are close. So we, we need you guys to vote. I, I think some people are voting with their hearts and not their heads. <laughs> and I think, I think that's the situation there, but you know, I also think, and this is just an interesting topic. I think that the, we're what a year out from AW, like pretty much launching TV. Yeah. They, they had their year anniversary in October. As much as people who, you know, there's the whole, we don't even really get into it. It's funny. We, we like AEW. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeremy likes it more than I do, but I mean, I watch it when I can, and Jeremy watches it every week. So, like, we, we're still viewers of that product. But, uh, you know, we don't talk about it too much on this show unless it's something relevant. Um, but, you know, you go online, you see the discourse, and it's just New Japan fans hate AEW fans. <laughs> AEW fans. Maybe a lot of times don't even hate them, but are calling for the two to work together again. For the door to be open. Yeah. And then like the New Japan like diehards are like, no. (laughs) And it's just this like weird thing. I'm wondering if like the audience that is left behind, um, that that's still here, that's still like faithful and loyal is, I'm wondering if it's that much different from a year ago. Like, are we dealing with, you know, a remnant of people or are we dealing with, uh, you know, a different fan base and audience than we have in the past or, you know, how much, how much crossover is there between the two different audiences, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And yeah, it'd be interesting to, to kind of f- figure out if that's kind of what's going on here, but you know, and I don't consider myself like, I mean, I, I would say my passion and my full attention is directed towards new Japan. Right. But you know, so I don't consider myself like an AW fanboy or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I wonder if like my tastes are more in line with someone who watches AEW than like maybe like a a New Japan like elitist or something like that. You know, right? I don't know. It's weird. But you you always have accurate takes, ratings, and opinions. So yeah, ratings are not a game. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. But either way, go out and vote. Uh, the links all over the place. Discords pinned to the top of the the New Japan Reddit Discord or New Japan Reddit, so you can go out and vote there. You got to try hard not to vote in this thing because we right. got it. Everywhere. It's all over the place. It's on the front page, socialsuplex.com. You can find it there. Our Twitter at ki strong style um, wrestling squared circle Facebook group. Find it. Vote. Share it. And I, I shared it in multiple Facebook groups this past week. I cross posted different Reddits. I mean, it's out there. Yes. Yeah, so uh, December December twenty third episode of Keeping It Strong Styles when we will announce the winners for that. And you know, knock on wood. You know, hopefully our special guests is you know me all locked in, and it should be a, a really fun show. I mean, I already like scheduled it into my weekend plans. My weekend plans pretty sacred, so that it better not fall through. <laughs> um. Also, we got to talk about the match of the month and wrestler of the month. But before, before. we do that, you know, we got uh, FOH draft coming up that same weekend, too. Yeah. It's going to be a busy weekend. Yeah, a lot of end of the year podcasts and projects are happening right now. Uh, got to get my uh, my column done for the Voice of Wrestling uh, New Japan Year in ebook. I know a lot of the guys on Social Suplex will be doing their year end stuff, One Nation Radio, all of their year end awards and. I'm sure some of the newer podcasts will be doing year-end awards, and there'll be a lot of uh, retrospectives and us being on other people's podcasts, us bringing other people on. So end of the year is usually a pretty exciting time here at the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Yeah, we've got dates scheduled with, like, Ricky and Clive, other podcasters coming on here. 
lots of stuff going on. Yeah, so make sure you are subscribed to the Social Suplex Podcast Network and keeping a strong side. Make sure you don't miss any of the special episodes that will be coming out across our network, across our airwaves. Um, so we got to talk about the match of the month and wrestler of the month real quick for November. So obviously November is over. We weren't quite ready last week with uh, November kind of rolling into December there last week. So uh, we have our match of the month and wrestler of the month from November. Young boy, do you want to tell the people who the wrestler of the month is? Yeah, it's a it's an easy one. In fact, this is one of the easiest uh Wrestler and matches of the month we've done maybe ever in the history of the show because we didn't really have to discuss it. Like it was just a foregone conclusion. Um, the wrestler of the month is Hiromu Takahashi. Uh, that's pretty normal uh, for him to be the wrestler of the month in a month when Best Super Juniors is going on and he's competing in it. So uh, that's not really a surprise. But I mean, there was really hardly any competition here. I mean, um, as great as some of these guys have been, you know, Desperado. Show, Doki, amongst others. Um, I mean, Hiromu was the guy that stood out. He had the, almost all the matches of the night, most of the nights. Um, and so, yeah, it's really simple. I mean, he's he's the guy that was having the best matches with everyone in the tournament. <laughs> yep, and with that, you know, one of his matches is the match of the month, that matchup that he had with Robbie Eagles. That is our Keeping a Strong Style November match of the month. And just easily, well, maybe not either. I mean, there were a couple of matches that you could probably consider, but I just think hands down that this was the best match of November, best match of the tournament. And, yeah, just two great wrestlers killing it. I'm wondering right now if the December wrestler of the month is going to be the man who wins the J-Cup. Because they won't have, they they probably won't compete in anything else this month. But that one-night tournament with all that talent, that might put someone over. It, it could for the month in, yeah. in a in a in a week in like you know in a lower month so right because we only have a few shows that'll be airing in December. Also, we have these uh, these finals coming up uh, December 11th on Friday for World Tag League about Super Junior, and then after Super J Cup, there are a couple Road to Tokyo Dome shows that will be airing on New Japan World. But yeah, I'm not sure if that's gonna be enough to push some of these guys over. Well, congratulations, Hiromu and uh, Hiromu Takashi, Robbie Eagles. Those are your Wrestlers and match of the month Alright so now let's get people caught up On what's going on with best super junior and World tag league we had a question from Rambo And slam pig here yeah but I was gonna Get into that oh my bad I thought, <laughs> bro, I thought you were I, I was trying Trying to be an advocate for my dog <laughs> You yo, pulled you, did, you pulled at me from last week <laughs> Yo uh last week I kept saying the word modicum But I kept saying mitocom for some reason I don't know why it was weird I like Realized after the show I'm like well, why did I feel weird uh, Cause I was mispronouncing shit again I, I didn't even catch it. I did. <laughs> um, but we had a question here from Rambone Slam Pig. I thought it'd be interesting to start off with. He said, "After watching a lot of this tour in Japanese, I find that I'm really appreciating the English team a lot when I get them. I think Gino has really come a long way, and it's a great job as a heel commentator who manages to still be likable. What are your thoughts on the current team? Oh, they're fantastic." Um, Luckily, I've been, you know, pretty much behind almost the whole tour. <laughs> so that means I've gotten to watch most of it in English. And, yeah, um, I think that Gino Gambino right now is the best, like, color guy uh, that they have, essentially. Um, I mean, is there anyone else that's better? I think he's better than Rocky. Yeah. 
Uh, and I think Rocky's very good, but Gino's just become very, I mean, so quick-witted, really towing the line, like being a heel but not overstepping his boundaries, still kind of coming off in a professional sense, like not being too sticky, you know? Right. Um, like you listen to like, what's his name? Andy Boy Simmons? Yeah. He's very good, but he's so far over the line that it's like a little cartoony, you know? And Gino doesn't really step over that line. Like he, I mean, one comparison would be there's similarities there to like Bobby the Brain Heenan, mm. you know, some of these just catchy one-liners. Um, I, I think he's hilarious. I think he's very, very good. Uh, and I didn't always think that. I think he's really grown into the role. And I mean, Kevin's the best, you know, color commentator out there or uh, play, play by, by play. play guy. Yeah, I really love the New Japan commentary team. I think it's a solid team, especially you get Kevin, Gino, and um, Chris Charlton on the mix here. And like you mentioned, yeah, Gino's really grown into that role. He's very entertaining. He's almost like that kind of comedic relief at certain points uh, when things are getting, you know, serious with Kevin and, and Chris. And like we mentioned several times, yeah, Kevin's just incredible. And Chris Charlton, you know, just the guy that has all that history and the knowledge. And then also, you know, we got to shout out our boy Chris Samsa, who provides a lot of the data for these guys um, that helps these guys uh, know what they're talking about. And so, yeah, it's overall, it's a really great commentary team. Yeah, I was in a group recently uh, just talking with other wrestling fans. They don't, they're like New Japan fans, but I don't think they really listen to the show or anything like that. And then um, one of them like brought up Chris, and I was like, yeah, Chris's been on our show like a million times. And they're like, what? <laughs> you know Chris Samsa? <laughs> the guy that gives the stats to Kevin Kelly? And I was like, yeah, he's he's our boy. Like, yeah. <laughs> Come on our show Regularly, you guys should listen. <laughs> yeah, we got a date lined up for for Chris in the future, uh, uh, coming up in the next couple weeks as well. So yeah, that's another exciting thing. Yeah. So, so, um, so let's talk Super Juniors. You know what's funny? We didn't even discuss this episode. I thought we were doing the whole like, you know, MVPs and the whole like ratings and all. Well, that. I didn't know if we were doing that or not because technically the tournament's not completely over yet. Yeah, I guess it's not, but. I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's we'll, we'll, we'll hold off till next week. Okay, because we did have some people that, that asked about uh, you know certain like ratings and rankings and stuff like That's that. That's fine. Uh, I mean, we can answer those questions and then yeah. we can uh, you know repeat ourselves next week like we always do. <laughs> well, and next week we'll have a little bit more to cover too with uh, Super J Cup and you know previewing the Road Tokyo Dome. So, oh my God, so busy. <laughs> yeah, busy, busy week here. Actually, this has been this is kind of a nice week. It's like a week off. There's no shows, which I know people want shows, but give me the good shows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need the mid. <laughs> so let's talk about best of Super Juniors here. So you know, at this point, if you have not watched, you know, spoiler alert. You know, we have our finalists going into uh, Friday's show. So we'll start at the top of the block here. So the top of the block, we have three men who ended up uh, with 14 points. That is El Esperado, Hiromu Takahashi, and Taiji Ishimori. So we'll start with El Esperado, uh, who will be going into the finals on Friday. So since we last talked to you guys, on December 2nd, Desperado, he defeated the current IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Taiji Ishimori. On the 5th, he defeated Robbie Eagles. And then on the 6th, that last uh, combined show, that block show, he defeated Bushi to lock his spot in for the finals. Coming up this Friday. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see this. Um, I think that there was a lot of speculation that, like, probably we'd end up with, like, a really Hiromu final. 
Um, but ending up with Desperado makes sense from a booking standpoint. I mean, the history between these two guys, and it's a long history, as we've said before, but, like, the many numerous promos that they've done towards one another going back, you know, almost the whole year. They, they seem to continue to mention one another, so this seems fitting to me. Um, I thought Desperado's been very good in this tournament. I... I thought all three of these performances were very good. Um, the Ishimori match was very good and kind of stands out. I think probably I'd take the Eagles match as the best of these three. Um, the Bushi match was fine. Um, I I was thinking it was the uh, the final of the night, and I forgot that there was another tag match. So I, I, I was like, man, they're main, they're main <laughs> eventing with uh, Desperado and Bushi. That seems uh, you know not appropriate, but uh, fine. But, big, big draw bushy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, none of these really blew me away. But Desperado himself, I mean, he's been cutting great promos. He's been doing really good work, uh, getting a lot of heat. And, you know, he beat Hiromu early, earlier, like in the second night of the tournament, um, through nefarious means in a very good match, one of the better matches of the tournament. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of fitting that they're facing one another again because... It's sort of like what I mentioned previously, how in the I, we, we've mentioned on the show, we don't really like single block tournaments. These two single block tournaments have really solidified that for me because going back to back, I mean, it's weird. I can do two blocks in G1 knowing that the two guys are going to fight, but doing two single blocks at the same time, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, that's rough. But the thing I mentioned was how in the past they've done like fuck finishes for, you know, the match that ends up being the final. And that's exactly what happened here. They just didn't happen to do, you know, a throwaway match and a fuck finish. They did a good match. Then they did, you know, the 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 schmaz ending, which kind of leads into the finals. I, I feel like based on the, what we've been saying on the show, we probably should have seen this coming. Right. Well, I think if I remember correctly, we were pretty much calling Desperado to be one of the favorites to at least go into the finals. And yeah. Um, Hiromu was always a heavy favorite for me. Hiromu was a guy I think is going, going to win it. And so it makes a lot of sense here to set up this Desperado-Hiromu final here. Like you mentioned, kind of their history and backstory. Even recent history, what we're seeing here with the, the junior tag um, situation where Desperado and Kanemaru beat um, Hiromu and Bushi three matches back-to-back. You know, that, that two-night tournament and then that eventual title rematch at the one of the Road 2 shows. And, you know, Suzuki Goon came out on top and Desperado, you know, just being dominant over Hiromu. And then also you mentioned that win in the opening of the tournament. So the momentum's all on on Desperado's side here. And it tells a kind of compelling story. It's like, can Hiromu actually beat Desperado? Or does Desperado just have Hiromu's number in singles and tags? Well, he's beaten Desperado in the past, um, but few and far between. Even since coming back from excursion, he's sort of been a, a thorn in his side. So, yeah, you, you make a great point there. Just stylistically, Desperado is a tough customer for Hiromu. Yeah, and speaking of Hiromu, it's also the tied at 14 points, like I mentioned. And he also has locked himself in to go into the finals. So we will have a Hiromu-Takahashi Desperado finals coming up on Friday on Nippon Budokan. On December 2nd, Hiromu lost to show. 25 minutes, 53 seconds. On the 5th, he defeated Ritsuke Gucci, 25 minutes and 30 seconds. And then on the 6th, on the final block night, he defeated Master Wato to lock his spot into the finals. 
Yeah, with um, Hiromu going to the finals, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, when we were kind of considering the different options, what may or may not happen, um, I think the fact that there's two Wrestle Kingdom nights sort of creates, uh, you know, a lot more possibility for your booking. Mm-hmm. If we had just considered, like, okay, it's Wrestle Kingdom, and let's just pretend it's one night, I think I automatically would have been like, well, Hiromu has to win because he's the biggest star <laughs> And he's not the champion, so that's the only real scenario that makes sense. But we're kind of, like, making some allowances for maybe someone else to get an opportunity. So we're talking about three ways and four ways. Maybe that could still happen, but logically speaking, the most appropriate and the most, uh, you know, um, logical thing that could happen is Hiromu wins, uh, which is probably what's going to happen. I mean, that's... You know, we're going to do the preview, but I feel pretty confident about it. But, um, you know, that kind of knocks out other people like Despy and Show and stuff like that. Yeah, to me, from day one, it just kind of, kind of made sense for Hiromu to to win this tournament, especially just being so close to Wrestle Kingdom. He's featured all over promotional material. He's the biggest star of the division. You can't not have him in the junior title mix in some form or fashion. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense here. Um had some great performances these three nights. The the show match uh, was a, a really good uh, main event there. I, I loved the show match. Show defeated Hiromu Takahashi on the uh, second. Did you run down these matches? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm spacey tonight. Um, that was probably so far my favorite match in December. Um, I, I don't think that the latter half of the tournament has trended as high as some of those um, early tournament matches, but that one really stands out as being phenomenal to me. Um, uh, the Gucci match was also, we, we finally got some big match to Gucci here. I mean, there definitely was some comedy uh, throughout the match, especially at the beginning point of the match, but then it, it really kind of picked up there towards the midpoint of the match and towards the finish there. And Gucci really kind of turned it up there and was very close to, to upsetting Hiromu. Yeah, and that was kind of him being in a spoiler role, which is, you know, I think a lot of people see him that way, but traditionally he doesn't play spoiler in these tournaments. He usually plays like runner up or block finalist sort mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, he, he was eliminated pretty quickly. So that ended up, uh, you know, and I don't know if that happens if it's a double block tournament, but because it was single block, the booking kind of changed for him. And, um, yeah, we, we saw some of big match to Gucci. That's probably his best match in the tournament, but, um, it still wasn't at the level I'm used to seeing from Taguchi when it comes to Super Juniors. He usually has at least like one four star level performance. That would, this was a little short of that, but still good. Um, and then Hiromu, you know, he needed to defeat Wato on the final night. Um, Wato was eliminated, but you know, young upstart coming back from Mexico, kind of also in a spoiler role, trying to make a name for himself. And uh, Hiromu was able to dispatch him. Um, interesting note. That I noticed was just that he used time bomb too, and I don't think he used any of his other like finishers prior to that. Yeah, it's very interesting because he's been usually saving the time bomb to for like the super finisher. I can't put you away. Uh, he did it once before in the tournament against Robbie Eagles, and that kind of that kind of incredible match. You know, he hit the regular time bomb and Eagles couldn't put him away. Got him in the D. He was trying everything. He had, he had to bust the time bomb too, but here he just. Wanted to play no games and just hit him with the time bomb too. Yeah, and it was 10 minutes, 30 seconds. So, I mean, it was kind of interesting because it was an okay match, but he just dispatched him so quick. I, I don't know if that's because, like you said, n- 
no flex zone, not playing <laughs> games. Like this is for the finals. I'm gonna I'm gonna beat your ass. Like I don't right. know. Didn't want to play around and get get you know caught slipping on a banana peel and get rolled up or something like that. So, but you know, um, I don't know if Hiromu and Show was Show's best match of the tournament. It's probably either that or the Robbie Eagles match with Show. Both very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely Taguchi's best match of the tournament. Good showing from Wato. I mean, Hiromu strolls into the finals. So yeah. Um, Next up, we've got the champion tied with these gentlemen, 14 points, Taiji Ishimori. He was uh, eliminated from the running due to the fact that his two defeats came at the hands of both of these guys. Um, but on the second, he lost to El Desperado. On uh, December 5th, he defeated Master Wato. And then on the 6th, uh, he defeated Sho to knock Sho out of the running for uh, the tournament. Yeah, very uh, heartbreaking moment there on the six for all the show fans out there that was hoping to see show going to the finals uh, of Taiji knocking him out there. Um, Taiji, you know, I, I think he's had some you know really good performances. You know, these three days, you know, he's been you know pretty solid this whole tournament. You know, nothing that has been like you know super blow away, but some very good performances. You know, he's really introduced this um, or been utilizing the the bone lock, which is that. This is new. So, yeah, which is, you know, we talked about last week, the, the Border City Stretch, Jurisdiction, Gargano Escape, whatever you want to call it. He calls it the Bone Lock, so he's been utilizing that uh, throughout this tournament, really working over his opponent's arms and shoulders more than he was when he was just doing the Yes Lock. Let me ask you, the, that name Jurisdiction, is that the name just you gave it, or was it called that before you started using it? No, just, I, I, I got it from Alex Shelley, and Shelley was calling it the Border City Stretch, so I came up with the name the Jurisdiction. <laughs> <laughs> I I always thought <laughs> you thought I was, it was just called that. I just thought it was called that. I I didn't know you made that name up. Oh man, fucking worker. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah, um, Ishimori. Um, you know, uh, these matches were good. Uh, I mean, Ishimori is one of the most talented wrestlers on the roster, but he also just seems to kind of. From time to time, mail it in. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say inconsistent in the sense of like he's ever bad because he's not. But the, you know, when he puts forth the effort to really shine, he can. And then when he doesn't, he doesn't. I I wonder how much of that uh, lack of uh, effort was down to the fact that he's the champion and he was booked as like a second tier guy throughout most of the tournament, uh, despite what the points say. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, good. I mean, good stuff from Taiji. Can't can't complain too much, but yeah, definitely seems to be one of these guys that kind of has a switch that can kind of flip on and off. And when they re- want to go really high gear, they can. So show show Tanaka. Uh, he is at twelve points. He ended the tournament twelve. Um, he was in the running to potentially win the tournament had he defeated or, or or you know go to the finals. Had he defeated Taiji Ishimori on the final night, he would have definitely ended up in the finals. Um, on December 2nd, he defeated Hiromu Takahashi. December 5th, he defeated Yuya Yumura. And then on the 6th, he was defeated by Taiji Ishimori. And I got to say, um, one thing I didn't like about this final night was you notice a lot of these match times were pretty short. Um, and I know I've kind of complained a little bit about the format of the tournament, but on the final night, they did, you know, half tag, half juniors. We've seen in the past when they've, done the fight like the last one or two nights of say super juniors they'll typically have 
both the A and the B block compete together. So, you know, you get these awesome cards where there's 10 matches, all singles, and um, they don't seem to be shortchanging those guys on those nights when they do that, you know? Right. Like, there's three hours here. I don't understand. It felt like a lot of the tag matches got a lot of time and a lot of these junior matches, which... Or, yeah, just kind of breezed by. Right, and I don't like that idea that, like, A, a lot of the matches were kind of inconsequential... Not inconsequential in the in the terms of the booking, but I mean, um, you know, you look at some of these and it was like, like we talked about, like Desperado and Bushi, you know, that doesn't scream like a final night <laughs> tournament <laughs> match to me. And it, and it was the top of, it was the top of the card. So, um, but Taiji Ishimori and show was one where I was like, okay, that's going to be really good. And it was good for what it was, but they got 12 minutes and for show to have gone 25 minutes with Hiromu, beat him, you know, be on this tear, and then he loses in 12 minutes, like kind of like letting the air out of uh, out of a balloon or something. Like I hated that. I wish that they would have had the uh, the block finals on um, separate nights and given these more time to these matches. I would have been fine with them doing it together or whatever. Just I felt like this particular match needed more time. Um, if Ishimori is going to I mean, I don't know what the booking philosophy is. Maybe they're like, you know, maybe they want people to only remember the Hiromu win so that they can do something with him later right. and kind of downplay his loss to Taiji Ishimori. But I'm of the booking philosophy that, like, if he looked really, really good in defeat, then it doesn't matter. Right. And he didn't look really, really good in defeat because they only had 12 minutes. He looked fine. Ishimori looked fine. It was kind of like it just ended, and it's like, wait, after all that effort, this is what happens. This is supposed to be like the penultimate match for him, and he gets beat. It's supposed to be a, a pretty heartbreaking thing, and it just kind of passed by. Yeah. And I didn't like that. Kind of afterthought. It was an afterthought. Yeah. And it was like, man, I, I saw a lot of people talking about how much they liked the final night. I didn't like the final night because I didn't like the pacing and the booking of the, 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 the way the matches were laid out with the space and everything. Yeah, it, it was a very odd night with, yeah, just the back and forth between the tag matches and the junior matches. Like you mentioned, the pacing and just, you know, you had a lot of matches where it, it just didn't really matter who won. I, I saw people saying, like, because the matches were short, like, oh, this was a breeze to get through, which is fine. Normally, I want the show to be a breeze to get through. But when it's the, you know, G1 final night or, you know, the, the A block, B block final night, I don't really want to breeze through it i want to like everything's supposed to build to this it's supposed to be epic as fuck <laughs> and it wasn't right. there, there wasn't a single four star match on this card and I, mean, I know it's not all about star ratings but i mean sometimes it is i mean you know right. this, is a, this is a uh, a work rate company <laughs> and i know if a single block tournament it can be kind of hard to make all the matches matter like you you had in the g1 where you had multiple scenarios on those block nights that kind of um that was open there, but still, I'm just like, man, that's a lot of these inconsequential matches. Well, this is one that really mattered because if Sho won, he got in. If Ishimori won, he could have still got in had, hypothetically, Desperado or Hiromu lost. Right. So this one should have had a lot of more importance placed on it, and it just, like you said, you put it perfectly as afterthought. Yeah, that, I would have definitely, yeah, more time. It could have had some more false finishes, some more close near false with show really kind of get that urgency and desperation for both men. Cause both men could have, you know, still been alive had they won. 
And, you know, I want to talk about the show Hiromu match, but we got some questions here. Maybe we could just dive into them. Um, Tom O. Hero E. She E. <laughs> asked us. Why, and that's literally how it's spelled out. Uh, why do you feel that show wasn't booked to win Super Juniors? Well, I think it's a scenario here. We got Russell Kingdom coming up. You want to have, um, you know, Hiro- I still don't think Hiromu is winning. You want to have the biggest, most marketable star in the junior title match at the Dome. That's Hiromu. There's a history between Hiromu and Taiji Ishimori. Um, you know, Hiromu uh, lost the title to Ishimori at, at Jingu. He still needs to get his revenge on Ishimori and get a, a get a rematch against him. Kind of a perfect little story there. Makes sense story-wise, drawing-wise, star power-wise. And I just don't think that, you know, shows on Hiromu's level yet. It's really simple. Um, when we analyzed this, I knew in theory that the winner would go to Wrestle Kingdom, but I wasn't necessarily putting all the emphasis on it. Like, this is going to be Wrestle Kingdom, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm, like, allowing myself to have other options. But when you really put it down to, like, okay... The winner is going straight to Wrestle Kingdom, not Dominion or some other show, but the biggest show of the year in the Tokyo Dome. It has to be Hiromu. There is no if ands, buts about it unless you have some other compelling thing for Hiromu to do, which it doesn't seem right now that they do, a la Super Juniors. So it had to be Hiromu, and that's the, the long short of it. Now, they gave him a lot. He did the best in this tournament that he ever has done. He beat Hiromu Takahashi in an excellent match. He had a lot of really great performances. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily the quality or level of matches he's had in the previous Super Juniors, but uh, still, like, from a kayfabe sense, he did so well. So, yeah, I mean, they didn't book him to win because they're booking Hiromu to win. (laughs) Right, and it's going to be a long-term story with show. We see with certain guys where they get so close to winning tournaments, it's kind of a year after year thing until they finally get that big moment and get to the finals and win that big moment. So we could be seeing a, a long term, uh, long term journey here for Show, and where you know maybe maybe next year he wins it, or maybe two years. You know he keeps getting closer and closer uh, until he actually wins it. What um what two out of these two matches? What would you say was his best uh, match or performance? Um, the Robbie Eagles match or the Hiromu Takahashi match? Because in my mind, those seem to be his two best matches in the tournament. Yeah, man, I think I can I can go either way. I, I think I'm leaning more towards the Hiromu match. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I'm not sure on that one. I liked both a lot. Um, Viking Pain asked us, he said, my friends and I have been talking about this recently, and we agree that show is incredible and has a great physique, but we've been divided on his potential due to his height. I think he's around five foot eight, and most of them think he's just too short for a heavyweight, especially a main eventer. I know Ishii's five foot seven, but he's built different than Show, whose physique is closer to someone like Ibushi. I don't know, uh, or physique. Sorry, <laughs> I don't know. I just hope down the line he gets a shot in the heavyweight division because I think he could be a major player down the road. What do you guys think? I mean, we, we talked about this last week where we kind of see, like, Shoke in this next gear when he's in there with guys, you know, heavyweights like Shingo and Ishii when he's when he's facing heavyweights. And, you know, I, I think there could be a potential he could be in the heavyweight division. It, it's kind of hard to say right now. I think the first hurdle for him is to kind of become, you know, a top star in the junior division. I'd like to see him kind of grow in that division and kind of becoming 
um, you know, a top kind of pillar for that division. Because right now it's it's really just just Hiromu is like their main star, they're the main pillar that's holding up the division. So I would I would love to see Show kind of get elevated in that role before we even get to can he be a heavyweight main eventer. Um, I, I for me, I don't know that he ever goes heavyweight, but um, I will say this: he's a true junior in in the uh, sense of like stature and size. And when you think of other, I mean, yeah, there have been people who have like jumped to heavyweight, but most of them had the frame to do it. You know, you think about Kenny Omega, you think about Tomohiro Ishii, or I'm sorry, uh, well, yeah, he did too. Uh, Kota Ibushi, Osprey. Osprey, Fujinami, guys like that. They, you know, Makabe, they all had the frame to do it. And when you think about true blue juniors, you know, um, most of them, like, not only do they not have the hype, but they don't have the believability to, like, in the sense of, like, what New Japan is looking for. I think when I watch Show go toe-to-toe with heavyweights, any heavyweight I've ever seen him go against, whether it was... Okada, who towers over him, or mm-hmm. Sonata, or Ishii. I find him to be extremely believable because he his physique is incredible. He has an intensity, right. uh, you know, to his face, and his, his strikes are, you know, very believable. Um, the size for me, and I know this sounds like a, I, I don't know what the word is, like a, it, it doesn't bother me for him. And there's other guys it does. You know, like, for instance, Kushida is awesome. I think Kushida, and Kushida competes in any weight class wherever he is. Um, so it's not like he's completely unbelievable, but, like, there is a lacking intensity when Kushida's wrestling. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's one of my favorites. But he doesn't have that certain fighting spirit that show seems to exude when he wrestles that I think kind of separates the two when you're talking about making that jump to heavyweight, you know, and they're similar body size guys. Right, and Cho definitely reminds me of, you know, smaller, intense competitors like a Taz, an ECW, uh-huh. uh, Chris Benoit, some of these uh, shorter-statured, quote-unquote, smaller-statured guys, but they have that intensity and that, that realism. Like, you believe this guy uh, can take somebody out bigger than him. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is Show's a very versatile type of worker. I mean, he can do lucha stuff. He can do, you know, the uh, Japanese strong style stuff. He can do, you know, high-flying junior fast-paced offense. I mean, he can work technical. I mean, he can pretty much do it all. It's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm I'm not – and you know what? He might never go heavyweight, but anytime I see him go against heavyweights, I don't find there to be any suspension of disbelief for me. Right, it's very believable. But, yeah, um, so let's talk about show uh, – or, I'm sorry, Bushi. Uh, Bushi uh, ended up with eight points. He was eliminated. Um, he lost on the second – or, no, I'm sorry, he defeated on the eighth Master Wato on – that, I'm sorry, that was the second. I'm getting all mixed up. On the fifth, Doki defeated uh, Bushi, and then he l- dropped his final loss on the sixth to El Desperado. So one win, two losses. Yeah, and like we've been saying in the last few weeks, Bushi has been fine. He's been having um, some solid little matches. I, I did pop that our, our boy Doki uh, did get the win over him there with the, uh, the suplex a Luna on December 5th. I was uh, very excited for that. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I don't really have much more to say. I mean, it's, it's the same things we always say about Bushi. Uh, solid competitor. 
incredible entrance gear, wrestles to the level of the guys that he's with. He's a very good wrestler, but, I mean, there's not much more beyond that. I mean, you know, Watto's at a certain level. He wrestled at Watto's level. <laughs> right. And then uh, on the sixth there, he was kind of in, in the spoiler role um, against Desperado there, but uh, failed to beat Desperados to prevent Desperado from going into the finals and ended up with eight points. And also with eight points, we had the, the way to the Grand Master, Master Watto, like we mentioned on the second, he was uh, defeated by Bushi. On the fifth, he lost to the current champ, Taiji Ishimori. And then on the sixth, he was defeated by the Ticking Time Bomb, Hiromu Takahashi. So three L's in a row here for Master Watto. Um, so some things I will say. Watto, you know, was getting a lot of a lot of criticism going into this tournament, um, especially especially considering some of the singles outings that he'd had prior, you know, prior to the tournament, this was going to be a big test for him. Um, I don't know that all the criticisms that had been thrown his way as far as the in ring goes really applied during this tournament. You know, I felt, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I didn't see too many like mistakes or botches or anything like that where, uh, the first week was pretty rough, especially that match with Eagles where he almost killed Eagles um, I don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, he like dropped the Eagles on his head off of something, and that first because that's, that's when I pulled my notes out, and I was like, he does good with the basics, the, the chain wrestling, some of the grappling is fine, but when he gets to more complicated sequences, is when you he, he kind of hesitates and there's some botches, and so yeah, the, the, the beginning part of the tournament was very rough in my opinion for Watto as far as the in ring uh, performance, but as we got later on in the tournament. Um, I didn't really notice anything too bad from him. The the thing for me was, like, um, I'm not seeing him make, like, a lot of mistakes at this point or anything of that nature, but I'm also not coming away super impressed for whatever reason. I mean, the matches are fine. He does do some cool athletic things, but there's something missing, and I don't know quite what it is. That Maybe that comes down to character work or the uh, the gimmick itself. I'm wondering if this tournament would be considered a failure or a success for him because it does seem like he's improved to some degree and gotten a little more comfortable. But I think what some like proponents of his were, you know, hoping was that like he would, uh, you know, kind of show the naysayers wrong, really showcase himself you know, really break out, and it, that kind of didn't happen, I don't think. I can't even think of a single match of his in this tournament that I thought was even very good. Yeah, and I think he he had, like, maybe one main event. The majority of his matches were either kind of that opening spot there in the show, somewhere in the middle of the card. He never really got much time to shine, but even with the time he was given, like you mentioned, he didn't really kind of go out there and maximize his minutes and really show what he could do. I mean, like you said... He, he's a good he's good worker. I mean, he had some good matches this tournament. There was nothing that was like, oh my gosh, you need to watch this master watch the match on this night. Like he, we're we're really seeing him come into his own. No, and it, it just wasn't there. Did he beat Desperado in that main event? Yeah. Oh my god, that's that seems wrong now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the the one last thing is obviously there's a big story. I mean, not a big story, but like the the kind of continuing story throughout the tournament is Tenzan, you know, being his mentor, almost being like a father-like figure, 
you know, bestowing his moves upon him, speaking for him during the, uh, you know, post-match press conferences. But uh, I don't know where they're going with this. Um, I guess 2021 will we'll have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, tests and things in store for Watto going forward. Yeah. So also coming in with eight points, tying up with uh, Master Watto and Bushi was the sniper of the skies, Robbie Eagles. Who defeated Taguchi on the second He fell to Desperado on the fifth And then on the final night He defeated Yuya Yomura Yeah Eagles um, Is probably The MVP of guys that are In the bottom half of the tournament um, I see him more In line with like Sho Ishimori Hiromu and Desperado As far as like Where I think he should be placed Where I think his skill level warrants him to be And that sort of thing um, unfortunately the booking didn't really pan out from that way, but he still had some of the best matches in the tournament. Um, you know, he kind of wasn't given as many big match opportunities, a few, uh, these last couple nights, you know, 13 minutes, 14 minutes, seven, um, they're all good. I, I liked the Umora match quite a bit, actually. I thought that match was pretty awesome. Yeah, man. And we'll talk about Umora in a second, but yeah, that, that match was really good. Uh, I'm wondering with Eagles, he's another guy like we mentioned with Taguchi who was affected by single block booking. Like if this was a uh, two block tournament, would he have gotten to that 10, 12 point threshold? Um, I'm also wondering if just because of the pandemic, if he's all, also similar to someone like, say, not quite the same level, but Hanare, you know, both of them were, were gone for a long time, only returned here at the very tail end. And it's almost like they were frozen in time and given the exact same placement that they were at. You know, no, there's no, like, uh, rolling out the red carpet for their grand return. It's just kind of like, oh, you were that's where you were at, at last, you know, in 2019? <laughs> right. Well, step on up. You're right back there. So, um, and it does kind of suck because it felt like Robbie was on his way to at least getting a title shot against Roma this year, maybe in line for some other things, and it just kind of didn't pan out. Also, who knows, um, you know, I, I hate to be the fantasy booker here, but, you know, there's a lot of speculation about him joining Empire. Uh, they're not really alluding to that in the, on the show that I could see, but one thing that seems to kind of be the running theme within that group is people who felt underutilized, felt, you know, underpushed or, you know, held back, whatever. I am wondering, what if... The story here is like Robbie Eagles should be at the top. He's clearly not. And that could be the catalyst similar to like Jeff Cobb for him to feel disenfranchised and maybe join up with those guys. Yeah, that could definitely happen. And if they're, you know, building to that, I mean, obviously like you mentioned they haven't laid any seeds yet. So, I mean, that turn would be very interesting if they kind of pull that out soon. And also this is what the theme of Empire. We're seeing like each guy kind of has their, their kind of country they're representing. So obviously – Got O'Connor representing Japan, Kyle represent well, not really country old well, representing Hawaii or Guam, I guess you could say. I thought it was Guam, Guam. but now they're saying Hawaii. Yeah. So either way, he's, he's representing some kind of island, uh, and then you got Osprey representing uh, the UK. So you you would bring in Eagles here to represent uh, Australia. So that that could kind of fit in with the aesthetics of the Empire. So it'll be interesting to see if they do that. But yeah. Robbie had some good performances these uh, three nights, like you mentioned. Didn't get a ton of time these three nights. Wasn't really in a, a prominent position here. But 
overall in tournament, Robbie um, was one of my favorite guys to watch, and you could always kind of count on him to have some good performances. I mean, at this point, the whole Empire thing for me, it's, it is just a speculation, and I don't usually give a lot of credence to ideas like that, but um, I don't know that that would be a bad place for him. I mean, if you think about Chaos, which, you know, people are talking about Chaos, like, breaking up this year. <laughs> um, I mean, they've got Rocky. They've got Show. They got Yo. Is, is that all the juniors they have right now, pretty much? Because Osprey's gone. Yeah. They had five juniors. That seems like a lot for one group, and, you know, Eagles is there now. I mean, unless, like, they decide to, like, kind of go with him as the premier junior in the group. But, I mean, it doesn't seem that way. It seems like shows that guy. So. I also have seen people talking about Eagle and Show being a junior tag team. Oh, I would love that. I mean, that would be cool, too. Um, but the only reason I speculate about it is just because it's, like, him. They they got to know how talented he is, you know. Um, and he's pretty dedicated to the company. So. Maybe this is the quote-unquote seeds being planted right now. They're just not doing anything very overt to hint at it. It's just like that's why he's only got, you know, four wins. Right. Um, and who knows? Maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> so somebody else that only ended up with four wins is the coach, Risuke Gucci. Finished here with eight points. He was defeated by Robbie Eagles on the second. On the fifth, he lost to Hiromu. And then on the six, he pulled up a win here over Doki. Yeah, when we send financial um, reports of different funds and things of that nature to our clients, we always are sure to let them know, like, hey, this is the history of how these funds have performed. But, you know, prior performance is not going to guarantee future projections. Mm. <laughs> but it's always a good you know, you can kind of look at the patterns. You can see how they behave. That's how, you know, market analysts and people like that, you know, kind of, you know, the, the, the super nerds kind of figure out what they think will or won't happen, yada, yada. Um, Taguchi is much that way. If you looked at the past, you'd have to say, like, this, is, this has been his trend, but, you know, prior performance is not going to <laughs> ensure f- future projections. And, I mean... Um, if you looked at the previous, you know, performances, you might have been a smart man to put a little bit of money on him to, to end up with like 10 or 12 points. But uh, this man came in with eight, which is very underperforming for him. Got to be like probably one of his. This is probably Taguchi's worst super juniors in like a decade. Yeah, and it was bad in well, worse for him in kayfabe and um, in just match quality. Yes. Uh, well, well, that's almost everybody, though, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so kayfabe, yeah, normally he's in that kind of 10, 12, maybe you know, potentially going to a final kind of spot. And then normally, yes, he, he's doing the comedy shtick. He's, you know, he, he's still doing the aspects offense. But typically, you get, you know, a handful of big match to Gucci matches where he, he has a four-star, maybe a four-and-a-quarter, maybe even a four-and-a-half matchup, and you're getting some solid... Uh, match you can put in the notebook but we really didn't get that here in this tournament this tournament was all comedy based everything was about you know the comedic the, the ass based offense his, his trunks coming down the different colored tights that he had underneath his trunks and uh you know was he yeah i think he was wearing the red and green for like christmas yeah he was wearing red it was one night he was wearing black and also there's oh, it's a lot of comedy based around uh you know the ass so we've joked about you know the last couple of weeks here 
Um, and the the Hiromu. Oh, I got in trouble for for those jokes. By the way, <laughs> you did. Yeah, apparently. Well, I don't care. <laughs> okay. Apparently, I shouldn't uh, make it. Never mind. I won't, I'm not gonna get into it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, hey, it's my show. I'm gonna make the jokes I want to tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I lost my my train of thought there. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, well, let, let's just cut to the chase. Like Taguchi wasn't. Wasn't very good this year. Usually he fucks off for most of the year and pulls out a couple good performances. He didn't really do that this year. And he lost. Like, what? How many matches do they have? Nine? So he lost five matches. So yeah. he sucked. <laughs> yeah, not a great tournament here for the coach. Nope. Uh, but let's talk about someone who, uh, you know, talking about the points, it, you might think this person didn't have a great tournament, but they had a fantastic tournament. And uh, it's the man with the bent pipe, Doki. Yes, Doki coming in here with four points on the second. He defeated Yurimura, got his first win. Someone's then, O had to go. Yes. Uh, then he followed up with another win, defeating Bushi, like we mentioned earlier. And then on the sixth, he def- he uh, lost to Riske Taguchi. I would have had him beat Taguchi. Uh, he should have. He should have just won the last three. You know, he's picked up that momentum there. Uh, but yeah, very happy to see uh, Doki, you know, get those those two wins on the second and the fifth. He's you know one of the hardest working guys in the tournament, going out here having great performances night after night. Uh, you know, his, his best match in the tournament is probably the, the Hiromu match, but and not just because it was Hiromu. Like he he did great in that on his side too, and he has had some really great performances throughout this whole tournament. Um, really starting to get you know the move set over and. We talk about you know the Doki bomb that he's been doing and, and the Suplex a Luna and the Daybreak DDT and uh, you know the the Italian stretch that he that he does and yeah it's this guy is just one of these guys you know that came in last year as a replacement received a ton of criticism um, and has just really turned things around and um, you know performance wise was one of the top guys in this tournament. Doki fucks. Hard. I love Doki, man. Um, I've just, I've really grown to like him, like quite a bit. Uh, You know, some some guys are Taka guys. Some guys are uh, Kanemaru guys. You got your Despi guys. I'm a Doki guy. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, man. Doki. You know, uh, on one extra radio, like to talk about, you know, Roderick Strong and Frankie Kazarian wrestling. Like they can't go back. Well, Doki. Doki's on that list. Doki's not going back. He's not going back to, to those grimy Mexican indies. He's staying here in the big leagues in New Japan, and he he put his effort in here. That's how I wrestle. So. Let's, oh, let's get a four away. You, Roddy, Doki, and Kazarian. Fuck no. Oh my <laughs> God. Hell no. But that's how I wrestle. I wrestle like I can't go back. <laughs> this is it. Now or never. Never surrender. Never quit. Hustle, loyalty, respect. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Uh, and all these matches were very good. I Out of all of them, I liked the Umora match the best. Uh, yeah, because I mean. Umora match was awesome. Yeah, I mean, we can pretty much lump Yumura hint here. So Yumura had um, zero points here. Loser. No, no wins. He Like we mentioned, he lost to Doki on the second, lost to Show on the fifth, and lost to Robbie Eagle on the sixth. But, yeah, in that Doki match, I mean, both guys were coming in with zero points. It, it seemed like a winnable match for Yumura, and pretty much every match, Yumura came out with a house of fire, didn't back down from anybody, and, and pretty much, you know, tried his best to win the match, and... 
uh, yeah, the Doki match, he, he really came close to some great near falls. Um, in this last stretch, he was really starting to hit that double-arm suplex, uh, but not really able to follow up with the pins on it all the time and getting some kind of good near falls off some of these uh, bigger impact maneuvers he's doing. But Yumura is fantastic. I mean, Narita is still my guy when it comes to the young lions that are on excursion or that are still active. But, uh, you know, he was in the same spot last year. Had a great showing, uh, but I I don't know if last year he, how do I put it? Narita's still the man, but Yumora I think has more upside, uh, long term. Um, I think he's like the total package. Uh, he just he's got it all together. He's so good, so slick, so believable. Um, he's incredible, and uh, yeah, I think that I think there's a very very bright future for you, Yumora. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what he's going to be like once he comes back from excursion. MJ Does PR asked us this question. Grade this year's best of the Super Juniors without compelling storylines. What are we to make of the state of the junior division right now? So do you want to just give an overall letter grade for the whole tournament? Or? Yeah, I'll give, it, I'll give it a grade right now. C minus. Yeah. I'm right there with you. It was it was average overall. Mm-hmm. It, it was this is the worst best super juniors that we've reviewed in the last three years. Oh man, um, this is probably the be- the worst super juniors. Man, um, it's like 2010 in like a decade, maybe maybe, and you know what? You might have to go back further than that. Uh, that sounds right to maybe like you might be talking like dark ages. Mm. Um, but as far some, as far as those dark age tournaments, I mean, I know we didn't watch all the matches, but they had some really good guys in there. Well, we got a lot of good guys right now too. Yeah. Um, but there was a lack of storylines. There was a lack of like creative direction. It was a single block tournament, which those are problematic just by the nature of the booking. Um. I mean, the the tournament wasn't bad. It just was bland. You know, it was right. like some chicken with no seasoning. You know, <laughs> I mean, it'll fill you up. It's gonna make you stronger, but it doesn't taste that good. You know, it's, right. and it's not even they didn't even like put, hey, you don't get excited to eat it. No, they didn't even bake it. They boiled it. <laughs> okay, um, they boiled it, put it in the fridge. Now you got to reheat it in the microwave. Uh, you got you got you got to try to put some sweet baby rays on it to, to cover up the taste. And he, yeah, yeah, that's Hiromu. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and, and you know why? It's because you got no other food in the cupboard right now. Mm. So that's what you got to do. You know, it's December. It's it's slim pickings, and that's what we got here. Um, you know, the state of the junior division right now. Let's be on. If we're gonna be completely honest, the junior division isn't ever really that compelling. I mean, from time to time, there might be. A moment where they heat up three or four guys simultaneously, or have a really good singles feud as well as a junior tag team title feud going at the same time. But for the most part, most of the juniors are pretty much relegated to multi man matches throughout the year, and it's really just periodic focus on whoever's in the title picture or both title pictures, essentially. And then the one time of the year where they get a lot of focus. And the whole division seems fleshed out, and their stories and everything is World Tag League, or I'm sorry, uh, Best Super Juniors. Because Super Juniors was lackluster this year, it makes it feel as though you know the division is completely squandered. Plus the fact that like 
most of the foreigners are gone. It's December. I mean, there's a lot going against it. It's not all their fault. Right. I mean, yeah, Junior Division is definitely the one division in New Japan that is really, um, you know, supported by imports and, and bringing in, you know, guys like Robbie Eagles and bringing in, you know, all those guys. You know, we could have potentially, if there was no COVID, we could have probably seen ACH and TJP and Chris Bay, all the guys that are in the Super J Cup. We probably would have seen them here in Japan for the best of the super juniors. So, you know, they really do rely heavily on those guys in talents for the junior division. And you, you look at the division, I mean, it, it's it's a, a, a one, you know, one trick show right now where it's Hiromu is, you know, the the main star that's in the division. You know, obviously there are guys coming up. You got show there that's on the cusp there. I mean, Taiji is a good performer. Despy's good, but those guys are just no, no, nobody else in the division is on Hiromu's level. It's like Hiromu and then everybody else. You want to hear something that people won't like if I say it? Hmm. The juniors are the women's division of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, you're only going to have one juniors match on this card? You need to make more time for the juniors. <laughs> Give juniors a chance. Juniors revolution. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, I guess I'm only gonna have to start uh, pulling out my uh, my stopwatch uh, for these junior matches and uh, making sure they're getting uh, equal time with the the heavyweights uh, in New Japan here. Uh, but yeah, but in, in all seriousness, that that's that's the issue with the junior division. Um, just Weren't able to bring in a lot of the imports, and you got, you know, it's centered around one guy right now. Yeah. So, let's talk World Tag League. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, good old World Tag League. So, I I know that we sound like downers. I'm sure there's some people listening there like, these guys hate New Japan. I assure you we don't. Obviously, we're watching all this. Uh, But we got to call it like it is. Got to tell you guys the truth. Tell yes. the truth. <laughs> that is the one thing that we're not going to shy away out here on this show, on this network. You know, if we feel like something is bad, we're going to tell you it's bad, and we're going to give you our true, honest feelings on things here on New Japan. We're still big fans of the show. That's why we're doing this podcast every week. That's why we've been doing it for the last three years, 158 episodes. Uh, but, yeah, just you know, we're not, we're not, not going to love every single thing. We're not going to be those fans that just... No, no cap zone. Right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, uh, World Tag League. So, on top of the block here, we had three teams that finished up with twelve points at the end of block action. Oh, and it was crazy. They're like, there's seventeen different scenarios, and I was like, my jeez. <laughs> uh, and, and and we oh and we'll. <laughs> and we ended up with like the most like obvious one out of all. <laughs> what, what I called last week. Uh, so on top of the block here, we had Finn Juice, Juice Robinson, Dave Finley finishing with twelve points. We had uh, Girls of Destiny, Tamatonga and Tangaloa finishing with twelve, and the current IWGP junior, uh, excuse me, IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, the Dangerous Techers, Tai Chi and Zack Saber Jr. Um, so starting off with Finn Juice on December fourth, they defeated Tomohiro Ishii and Toriyano, and then on the final block night on December sixth. They defeated the other Chaos team of Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi 
to lock in their spot into the finals of the World Tag League. Yeah, I mean, Juice Robinson and Dave Finley. Um, with them, I can definitely... Here's one thing that is good about the World Tag League. Uh, I didn't think the action overall has been better than, say, Super Juniors, but there have been more concurrent storylines and, like, kind of reasons to invest in guys and get behind them. I think that's one of the reasons why this uh, quote-unquote hot take is going around about how Tag League is so watchable, although I don't think it actually is, to be honest with you. But I think it's because for people that are paying attention, it's easy to kind of invest in what some of these people are doing. And with Juice and Dave, I mean, obviously they didn't have a great year. Like, they won the titles last year. And then dropped them almost immediately after winning Tag League and winning in the Tokyo Dome. And they never, and then COVID happened and they never really came back up. And then, um, you know, Juice has kind of been lackluster, you know, in the G1. Dave kind of, you know, lost his tournament opportunities in America. So kind of similar paths. But here in the tournament, it was like they won one, lost one, won one, lost one. They're like back and forth, back and forth. And then they, they started like, they went from cutting these comical uh you know promos to like all right we need to get our shit together because we're we're the best fucking tag team (laughs) in the world we need to start acting like it and it's like something in their belief started to change they've always been one of the better i mean when it comes to tag league they're always like one of the most consistently performing and uh entertaining tag teams and they kind of showcase that throughout the tournament i mean you know performing at a super high level and uh you know, they, they eked it out with 12 points. Yeah, and definitely consistent here. These last two nights against these both chaos teams, I thought these matches were both really good. Um, both, you know, they were against, you know, both two the two chaos teams are both workhorses also. Yeah. Um, so you had these teams really going out here and working really hard. So I really enjoyed Finju's first Ishii and Yano and Finju's first uh, Goto and Yoshihashi, of course, in that uh Goto Yoshihashi Matthews Robinson, he pins his old rival, Hiroki Goto, with the Pulp Friction to um, kind of lock in Finji. So, so in a way, that was kind of like a mini story there because if you kind of follow Juice, you know that he, he had that rivalry with Goto and it was kind of this thing where he had to, to beat Goto and he finally beat Goto in singles. So there's still that history and rivalry between those two guys. So kind of a, another kind of great moment there for Juice to be able to beat his old rival Goto to lock in spot for the finals. Yeah, um, these guys just showing, you know, last year wasn't a fluke, and they are going to get more serious about this tag team thing. And you know what? That might need to be what they're going to do because you brought up just now an instance where they were kind of really going with a singles push, single storyline revolving, you know, Juice or involving Juice Robinson, and they've tried several times, and timing just hasn't been on his side. For whatever reason, and I don't always agree with it, but like, it's very clear. I don't think they are going with him in any prominent way in a singles role going forward. Uh, I think he'll still be in G1s, but like, for the time, especially with there not being a white belt currently, um, this might be the best opportunity for him. And kind of the same thing with Dave Finley. You know, he returned, seemed like they were going to start focusing on him in a singles capacity, start jobbing him out almost immediately to like Lance Archer and shit. And, um, they're both really good performers, but uh, this might kind of be their niche for the time being, at least. Right, it's a niche that needs to be filled right now. Right. I mean, we don't have a lot of you know tag teams in this division that wrestle all year long. Uh, you know, you got God 
And, and that's, you know, pretty much it. Um, so, yeah, you have these, you know, a team, it just seems like G.O.D. that have been in the division. There's not, not many other teams here um, that, that's year-round. You know, we get caught in these holding patterns with the tag division where, you know, you, you only have, like, two or three teams that the division's kind of based around. And, and it's even been, you know, majority of this year has been Dangerous Tickers and Golden Ace, but, you know, Golden Ace is done. Um, we got Dangerous Tickers there. But, you know, it's good to have more teams kind of in that niche. And I think, you know, having Finn Juice kind of be in that role for now and just being an, another team there that we can, we can count on throughout the year is great. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about Tamatanga, Tangaloa. They're, they're also our finalists with 12 points, G.O.D. On December the 4th, they defeated the Empire. On December the 6th, they defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi and Toa Hanare Hanares. Uh, three minutes and 55 seconds for that match. They tapped, uh, well, Tamatanga tapped out Hiroshi Tanahashi with, uh, what? Uh, Scorpion, Scorpion Deathlock, Deathlock yeah. slash Sharpshooter, whatever you, you want to call it. But, yeah, big moment there. Um, Hanares making their entrance. Uh, G.O.D. jumps them from the bell. They're, they're beating down Tanahashi and Hanare uh, early in the match. Uh, Tama locks in that, that uh, Scorpion Deathlock on Tanahashi, weakens the knee. Hanare's able to make the save, but then um, eventually... Um, G.O.D. did a dispatch with Hanare And they locked that Scorpion Deathlock back on Tanahashi And yeah, the uh, the good bad guy gets the ace to tap out 3 minutes and 55 seconds into the matchup Yeah, I don't really know what that specifically means um, I did see the uh, tweet that like Tama put out there Talking about like tapping out Tanahashi in like under 5 minutes <laughs> Which... Uh, I don't know. I don't know how I was feeling about that when yeah. I saw it happen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that solidified them going to the finals, like, right away. No matter what happened for the rest of the night, they were going to be in the finals. Right. And, yeah, I mean, huge kind of upset there with Tanahashi taking the fall and, and submitting to Tamatonga. And that just leaves a bunch of questions, like, yeah, where is this going? Like, does this lead to somehow... Tanahashi's match at the dome. Like, is Tanahashi going to face somebody from Bullet Club? Uh, is he is he going to face Tamatonga in a singles match at the dome? Like, uh, definitely a lot of questions here. Yeah, I'm really not sure on that front. I think that's a big. Uh, we can talk about it when we get to Hanaris, but I think that's the big question. And like, a lot of people are like, "The fuck is <laughs> first Tanahashi doing at the dome? Like, right. that's weird." But anyways, uh, you know, God. Um, here's the thing I will say. I think they're the most mid of all the top level teams that were in this tournament. I mean, uh, I didn't. They didn't have any bad matches, but they didn't have any great matches either. Really, um, they kind of just went out there and like they're they're the new li. They're the new uh, Sonata and Evil. Like they're capable of having a really good match when they are called upon to do it, but they just went out there, did their job every night. You know, um, played their roles. They're good, they're fine. They got their act down, but it, I mean, I wasn't like on the edge of my seat for any of these God matches. None of them. Yeah, there was. Was it this? I uh, know. I think their their Ishii Yano match. I remember it was pretty good. Um, this the match with the Empire wasn't was a pretty decent match. Also here on December fourth. Here's one thing I will say. Um, 
And I, I alluded to this point earlier, and I think I should get it out of the way before we continue. So I, I've seen a lot of people talking, you know, people that are fans, they're like, man, this is a really watchable tournament. You know, 10 teams, shorter format, although they're not, like, factoring in the fact that it's like, well, it's tied to the Super Junior, so it's actually longer format. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they're like, you know, we got some new team-ups here. We don't have the dads anymore. You know, it's just more fresh. And those are all valid points. But, like, at the end of the day, man, there was, like, one maybe four-star match the whole tournament. And it was probably LIJ against Dangerous Techers. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and then other than that, oh, did you have another one? No, I was going to say, I think I think the reason why a lot of people might be saying this year's tournament is more watchable and giving it praise is because this is probably one of the first tournaments they have watched because it's tied to Super Juniors. I think that might play into it. I, I, I also think because that it has been a story-heavy tournament, there have been some compelling things happening with different groups. You had, like, you know, you've got the Empire. They're, like, a new faction that's kind of, like, really playing a, a big role here. Um, from from a booking standpoint, I don't think it's been terrible. From a, a storyline standpoint, it hasn't been bad. But, like, I am used to getting... Some bangers during World Tag League We did not get bangers during this World Tag League Right Like these were slogs for me to get through And I know I'm a work rate fan I know you are too I know not everybody is But I mean like that's kind of why I watch New Japan Um, I I do enjoy the storylines But I mean anyone who watches the the show knows like the storylines are very secondary It's a sports oriented presentation Right and there's a lot of stories that Happened in the ring within the match, correct? Um, and so that, that that was missing this year. Uh, I know we, we had you know in the past we've had teams like War Machine and Best Friends and mm-hmm. Killer Elite Squad or yep. even Archer and Suzuki. Yep, um, these teams and heck even you know Tenkozy even once in a while put in something and it's like Elgin and Cobb. Yeah, bro, we've had some awesome tag teams in the past and like. Uh, I think a lot of people just don't watch those tag leagues and they don't realize that, like, this is not as good. It, it, bell to bell, it is not as good as the other tag leagues. It's just not. It's yeah. true. Like, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is... We've covered four tag leagues. This is the worst one. Yeah, because, yeah, 2017 was the first one we covered, yeah. Yeah. Give me the Give me the tag league from two years ago that had all the dads in it. Give me that one over this any day, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyways, so we'll we'll, um, move on. But yeah, G.O.D., they're going to the finals. I think the big story here, um, you know, I don't think we got a lot of like in-depth insight into them. But the big story is they've won more tag league matches than any tag team in history. They've been to the finals multiple times in the past. They've never been able to win the big one. They've been multiple-time champions, but they've never won a tag league. And in modern times, that is one of the benchmarks of, like, the quote-unquote all-time great tag teams in New Japan. If you're a really, really decorated tag team, you win the tournaments, and they've never done it. Yeah, I think another storyline that comes into play here is just the the history between Girls of Destiny and Finjuice. Obviously, last year, Finjuice won the tournament, which set up them beating G.O.D. at the Dome to get the titles And then G.O.D. Cheated to get the titles back In Finley's hometown 
uh, during that USA tour at the beginning of the year. And Finjuice has not been able to get a title rematch. So there is this kind of history and rivalry that was built between these two teams. So that, that personal animosity, it continues here. And also, after uh, Finjuice defeated Goto and Yoshihashi, G.O.D. came out and laid them out, attacked them. Um, kind of, again, really exciting this, this rivalry, making it personal. So a lot of heat kind of going into this final match on Friday. Yeah, you you did a really great job recapping that. I kind of completely forgot those aspects of the story, but they're all valid. Um, Tomohiro Ishii asked us, is it G.O.D.'s year? And I've been saying since before this tournament started, I thought it was going to be their year. Um, with how, how, how much parody booking there was throughout the tournament, it did give me reason to think, well, maybe they don't go with them. And, you know, obviously there's always that concern. Well, the Techers are heels. G.O.D. are heels. If they go into the Dome, it's going to be heel versus heel. But I think that one of the things we've seen all throughout the tournament is how, uh, like, well the Dangerous Techers are able to kind of, like, cross, you know, the heel face baby, you know, dynamics. Right, yeah. So... I, I think that I have no worries about them being able to face one another in the dome after this. Um, and even if it does, even if GOD does end up winning, there's still a scenario where you could, this ends up still being a three way or four way title match. Bro, I kind of hope they do that because that, that matchup doesn't sound that enticing to me, especially after what we saw out of these two teams earlier uh, in the tournament. Like, I was talking to Jeremy the other day. I was like, yeah, throw another team in there. You know what's funny? Couple years ago, <laughs> what was that? What what ended up being the the six man or or the it was Bucks against uh, God and and Sonata and Evil. Evil. I think that's what it ended up being. I don't know. All I know is we ended up with with you know the champions and then the challengers going into the dome, and then on the last day, like the young bucks showed up and like. Inserted themselves into the match without having even been through the tournament and I was like, bro We just watched this whole fucking tournament. It completely nullifies the point of the tournament. So I was like salty I was complaining Jeremy was like, but it makes the match better. I'm like, it's, it's a young bus <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, but that's stupid booking Why did we watch this tournament if these guys just get to show up and be in the match at this point right now? I don't give a fuck throw another tag team throw two more tag teams in there Makabe and Hama, come on down. I don't give a fuck. It could be anybody. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Put 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 Nagata and uh Kojima in there. Whatever. Dude, the, the Nagata and Kojima should have been in the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would have fucking ruled. Yeah, they would have been raw. Um and had some more, you know, get some great matches. But uh yeah, uh G O D and Tekkers match at the dome, not the most uh interesting. It's it's happening, man. Do you, I mean, who do you, uh, well, I guess we'll get to the thing, but I think it's their year. Yeah, I mean, it kind of has to be. I think they're winning, but I still feel, I feel the title match is going to be, they're going to look at the tournament and be like, oh, well, this team beat the Techers, so we're putting them in the tournament also, kind of thing, in the, in the title match. Maybe, but they, they're winning. The, all, all I know is the record books, just how the record books show me is having no losses. <laughs> Currently, <laughs> the record books are going to show G.O.D. as having won the tournament. That's what matters. Uh, so the other team that is tied with these two teams, Finjus G.O.D., like we mentioned, was the current IWGB Heavyweight Tag Champs, Dangerous Techers, Taichi, and Zach Sabre Jr. 
On the fourth, attackers defeated Fale and Chase Owens, and then on the final block night, on the sixth, they defeated the Chaos team of Tomohiro Ishii and Toru Yano. Um, I really like that that sixth match with Ishii and Yano. Yeah, we we see the great chemistry that Zaichi and Ishii had, and Ishii and Zach have, and that really just came to fruition in this match. Zach and Yano. Yeah, Zach and Yano, yeah, they, they're, you know, KOPW rivalry they had this year. Uh, I thought this was the best match the two of them had against one another all year. Yeah. Even more than the G1 match. Yeah, so, yeah, really good stuff here. I mean, it was only 10 minutes and 36 seconds on, on this final block night that had a lot of shorter matches, but really good stuff here between these teams and, yeah, uh, Dangerous Techers and them getting the win, but they were not able to... Um, you know, get enough points. Well, they, they got enough points, but they weren't able to get into because of the tiebreakers. They lost to Finjuice and Gorilla of Destiny. For those of you paying attention, you're going to notice we have two tournaments, both tournaments. The champions ended up with the same point totals as the two winners, but they were eliminated due to tiebreakers. So pay attention for the future when you're doing your brackets, when you're doing your projections. It is very common <laughs> for Gato to do this type of booking. Um, and we saw two examples of it in the same, you know, two blocks. Yeah, especially in a single block tournament. It, yeah, especially. Um, I will say this. Zach and Taichi, one of the best, I mean, you know, probably one of the best tag teams in the entire tournament. They're not my MVPs this year. I yeah. thought I, they're close. I think they're close second probably, but um, still just phenomenal. Um like we talked about, being able to go back and forth between heel and babyface. Um, so entertaining on the... Their post-match promos have they are been, great, yeah. They're so fucking great. Uh, I've also... One thing I wanted to point out, I didn't mention on the other show. Um, I'm pretty sure Zach is, like, semi-fluent in Japanese right now because he can understand it. Right. Because in the past, when, when they would cut promos, Taichi would talk, Zach would talk, they would have nothing to do with one another. But now that Zach's living there, Taichi's saying stuff, and Zach is responding in very specific ways to what he's saying. And they're not, like, they're very specific. So Right, it's like, they're playing off of each other. Yeah, they're playing off each, of each other to the point where, like, they have to know what each other is saying. Yeah. Um, which leads me to be like, oh, well, they're both learning foreign languages, which is kind of cool. Um, my big question is, you know, um, all throughout the year, we talked about the renaissance of the tag team division. I think before COVID, we really thought we were seeing that. And then, you know, uh, things kind of changed once COVID <laughs> happened. But, um, you know, if if we're being completely honest, I think if I look, look up and down this list, these three teams that we listed are the only real tag teams in the entire company right now. Um, for the heavyweights, realistically, or at least like main active ones, right? Um, and especially in this tournament. So you know, we uh, for all the talk of like, you know, the company reinvigorating the tag team division and yada yada. These are your three teams right now, and uh, you ended up with the final with the same two teams that were in the final last year. Um, we're literally ba- right back where we were at the end of 2019 when it comes to them, and. Um, I'm wondering how long the Dangerous Techers are going to stick around because both of these guys are prominent singles wrestlers and they are kind of a semi-mishmashed group. I don't know if they're going to stay as a tag team long term. 
Yeah, that, that's an interesting question. Interesting to look at. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I mean, because yeah, I think there's money to be made in, in Tai Chi and Zach as singles. And like we mentioned, you know, the, the, the tag team division usually you get in this holding pattern where it's like three teams that that are kind of holding division together that they wrestle each other literally all year long, and that's kind of where we're at now with um, Finjuice, God, and Dangerous Techers. Also, it, it didn't seem as noticeable because of COVID and. Um, Finjuice and G.O.D. were stuck in the States um, But I'm sure You know if they were Here all year that these teams would be Frequently in the, in the tag title Picture Yeah I agree uh, Rambo and Slam Pig asked us Are Suzuki Goon falling into the old bullet club trap Of being so enjoyable and so over That it is hard for them to get heat like they used to Do you think their perception in the West Is wildly different than how The domestic audience sees them so I don't I don't know if they're they're kind of falling into the bullet club trap because you know with, with the bullet club thing I'll see it was kind of a period of NWO uh, and the, and those guys kind of living out and you know being you know the guys that they idolized watching doing the Monday Night Wars and they wanted to kind of be cool heels and they were doing the suckets and the two sweets and you know all that was over with the Western fans um, I I feel like with Suzuki Goon. The, the lack of crowds and the lack of crowd interaction really does help, or excuse me, really does hurt them uh, as far as c- kind of coming off as, you know, these menacing heels. I feel like in this tournament, though, particularly, Dangerous Techers were kind of put into a spot where that they had to be either tweeners or baby faces going up against all some of the other heel teams, like the Bullet Club teams or, you know, the Empire and so that they really kind of had to to switch roles there, but I mean, you got guys like Suzuki's obviously still very menacing um, and, and comes across. Also, as, as the Western fans, we really we love Suzuki for his work, but I feel like domestically he's still kind of seen as like you know you don't don't mess with Suzuki, um, and I feel like Despi and Kanemaru still kind of get the heat they need to get, and and Doki you know he's he's using the pipe in his match, and even though he's having great performances, I still feel like. For the most part, Suzuki Goon is still kind of feeling that that heel role. I think Suzuki Goon has always gotten love, but I I wonder if uh, the Western audience is more so coming around to the way that the Japanese audience has always seen them. Because, um, like you mentioned, when they need to get heat, they can get heat, but they're definitely respected. <laughs> you know, they're definitely revered. Um, I think the one different aspect that you're getting with Dangerous Techers. That you, you sometimes see from like Desperado and some of these guys, and even Suzuki, but like Dangerous Techers are extremely charming. Mm. You know? And I think that that might play into what he's asking is like, they're so charming that it's hard for them to continue to get heat. I don't know if it is for the rest of the faction, but like, I mean, I think people like Dangerous Techers. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so. You know, they and they, I don't think that they really try to like play up to the crowd or try to be the cool heels, but they kind of are a little bit that way. So, um, I think there's definitely something to what he's asking. But, you know, the big difference between them and say, like, let's say the young Bucks, I mean, the Bucks could try to like turn on someone and be vicious. And I mean, I guess they came off that way, but like when. You know, uh, freaking <laughs> Zach is tying up a, a bitch in a bunch of, you know, pretzel sticks. And then, you know, you got like Tai Chi hitting someone with a hammer, or, like with the 
mic stand, I mean, there's no, there's no like allusions to the idea whether they're good or bad. I mean, right. it's very clear. So that's the big. I think that's the biggest difference. Like they can turn it on and off, you know, on a dime. Yeah. So let's look at the next team here. We have a, a set of teams here that all kind of came in with ten points. So the first of those teams is the LIJ team of the Never Open Way champion, Shingo Takagi, and the Cold Skull G1 finalist, Sonata. On the fourth, they defeated the team of Hanar Ace. That was the main event that night, 19 minutes, 25 seconds. And then on the sixth, the final block night, they fell to the Empire, which knocked them out of contention of uh, getting to the, the finals of the overall tournament. I think that this is your MVP for the tournament, um, pretty clearly, unless like something really big happens where, uh, you know, I, I don't think GOD's in contention, but I do think maybe Finjuice is, and if they have a really great final match, that might change my opinion. But right now, this is my MVP of the tournament. Um, very compelling all throughout. Um, on the fourth, I was very disappointed because I was. You know, I think we were both projecting Tanahashi to, you know, upset Shingo and yeah, you know, get, get in that never title match the <laughs> dome. <laughs> and uh instead, the story of the match was mainly Toa Hanare going after Shingo, which is fine. Um I think that's something we've been calling for and I think it's something that they wanted to do last yeah, year. Right, that they were teasing that pre pandemic of with of um, Hanare wanting to get a never title shot. Yeah, so that's that's been in the works. It, it's been on ice, and now it's unthought. But like, I was clamoring for Tanahashi and Shingo, and that was hardly. I mean, once I realized it wasn't even the story of the match, I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like it's not happening. Yeah, once you had that long stretch of Tanahashi and Shingo being in, and then Tanahashi tags in Hanare, I was like, "Damn it, it's not happening." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um, you know, I looked like a fool. I was predicting this thing pretty wildly to people. I thought I was Nostradamus over here. I thought I was ahead. Trying to be ahead. Yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> um, I was a wrong. And uh, LIJ picks up the win there. Then the next night, they face off against the Empire. And, um, you know, the big the big story here is Jeff Cobb picked up, Sina- or picked up Shingo for the tour of the islands, crashed him to the mat. One, two, three, picked up the victory here and then held the never. Did he? I think he held the never bell over him, right? Something like that. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking I'm right blanking now. I'm blanking too. Uh, but I know he definitely he pinned Shingo, and that was kind of the angle that it seemed like Cobb would be coming for Shingo. In my mind's eye, I remember the never title actually being there and I'm holding it over him. So that's what I'm going to stick to. <laughs> um, but, you know, earlier this. Uh, Tournament on the first night everyone's like oh god They're gonna do Okan and Tanahashi And maybe they still will but You know they, they, they threw that out there And we've heard nothing about it since that First night we're like whoa 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 just hold on Like let's just let the tournament play out but this One to me seemed Very clear that this was Your classic New Japan I'm gunning For your title kids sort of moment and Shingo has not taken very many Losses throughout this tournament and this was A clean you know emphatic as opposed to like the time when Finjuice beat them, and Dave Finley had all the help in the world from his tag team partner, this was a little different. Like, yeah, there's some shenanigans. Yeah, Okan was there, but Cobb looked strong, looked dominant. He beat this man. I think he's getting a title shot. I think a lot of people are thinking it's going to happen at uh, 
I've seen people be like, oh, it's going to happen at New Year's Dash because they don't think of Cobb on that level yet. Mm. And they think Shingo is because he's been so good. A lot of people think Shingo's higher in the company than he actually is. But if you're paying attention, he's not on. Right. He's Co- not a big four or big five guy, even he, though people want him to be. Cobb is slotted on on Shingo's level. And I could easily yes. see them doing one of the nights never title match. Literally, I'm seeing people be like, oh, this happened at World Tag League, right? Because, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, you know, um, what's it called? Road to Tokyo Dome. They think it's going to be at one of the big, quote unquote, Road to Tokyo Dome matches. Even though Road to Tokyo Dome never has any big matches. <laughs> right. I mean, there was that um, Golden Lovers match. Well, they have big tag team matches. Right. And what are those matches? They're always previews for the Dome. They don't, They don't. you know, throw They don't away, do title matches. They don't do title matches. Right before the Dome, yeah. There's people who think they're going to do that match. And that will lead to some sort of angle that will set up Shingo's real opponent at Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> and I'm like, no, this is it. He's fighting Cobb. Like, right. You know, I mean, and, and the company, you know, um, I didn't mean to cut you off, but one thing I want to say is uh, a, a lot of the people that were in the know, a lot of the people that say like Voices of Wrestling, Dave Meltzer, they've all been saying for quite a while now that when Cobb signed, this company had big plans in the works for him. I think this is the evidence of that. And I mean, kudos to those guys. I mean, we weren't the ones who broke that. It was all the, all those different resources. Right. Yeah. So obviously the first stage of that plan was the empire turning him heel. And then, yeah, the definitely the next stage here is going to be getting him a match, a big match at the dome with Shingo. These guys have great chemistry. We've seen what they can do in the G1. We've seen their history in PWG. Um, these guys are going to go out here, have a strong style brawl. Um, and Cobb is probably going to win. From Reseda to the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, um, interesting thing. I mean, what have you thought about Sonata in this team throughout the tournament? I mean, I don't really even have any thoughts, honestly. I, Aside from what I've said on the previous shows, just that I think he works very well with Shingo and feeds off his energy. But, yeah, but I, I, I don't see any stories. Right, yeah, there was no stories. There was no really, like, memorable Stuff revolving around Sonata. I do think him and Shingo gelled very well together as a team. Like you mentioned last week, uh, Shingo always works super hard, and I feel like that kind of motivated Sonata and made Sonata work super hard. That's like uh, you and me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's why they end up being the MVP, because Shingo never mails it in, whether it's a tag match, six-man, road two, um, you know, Dominion, whatever it is. Whatever show Shingo's on, whatever match he's in, he's going to work really hard and do his best to have a great matchup here, and that, that definitely rubbed off on Sonata here. And yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would love to see these guys, you know, team up every once in a while to be tag challenge contenders while they're kind of in between programs. But yeah, w- what's happening with Sonata? I don't know. I, I have some ideas when we look at the the final card, but you know, based off of this night, it's like, yeah, what, what are they doing with Sonata? I agree. Well, um. Let's move on. We got Tomohiro Ishii Toriyano, 10 points. On the 4th, they were defeated by Finjuice. And then on the 6th, they were defeated by the Dangerous Techers, which completely eliminated them. Um, I'll start off. Ishii Yano, always one of the strongest teams when they are paired together in the tournament. They're kind of the odd couple, except they don't play it up like they're an odd couple. They play it up like they're extremely cohesive, even though it makes no sense whatsoever. But... um, I mean, I don't have much to say here except for just, like, Ishii and Yano always are here. They're utility players. They come in when they're needed, 
And then once the tournament's over, they pretty much go their separate ways, except for the one or two off pairings that they have throughout the year. Yeah, I mean, all the solid tag team, like you mentioned. Yeah, I really don't have much to add. I mean, definitely some of the better performances of the tournament, especially with Ishii and their Ishii against a guy like Shingo, where they're, they're going to work hard regardless, you know, what place of the card they're on, what type of show it is. They're always going to work really hard. And these two matches here um, against um, Finn Juice and against Dangerous Techers, well, they were really good matches. And, uh, again, it was one of those situations where you have – Teams that are working really hard in Finn Juice and Dangerous Checkers go against Ishii and Yano, who are working. Well, Ishii at least is working really hard. Of course, Yano is doing the Yano. Um, I do wonder if part of the reason my perception of the tournament not being as good is just because the clap crowds, the environment. I, I think that definitely has a lot to do with it. You know, if it's not the Osaka crowd, it's, it can be really hard to get into some of the matches sometimes because the crowd, the clap crowds are not as excited or motivated as it's quiet. And it's like, man, even, you know, previous world tag leagues, even though they, they might not be the greatest thing ever, at least you, you were getting that crowd interaction, especially the Corkin nights were always those nights where you would get bangers because the crowds would be really into it and the guys felt motivated. And yeah, that definitely the energy levels for this tournament were definitely lacking. Yeah, I mean, one thing, though, and I mentioned this previously, is, like, typically we get some really great matches from Ishii and Yano. We didn't necessarily get any really truly great matches, but like you mentioned, they had some of the stronger consistent matches throughout the tournament. Um, I'm just used to getting that four, four and a quarter type style match from them at least once or twice during the tournament. We didn't get that here. Uh, But, you know... um, from here, I just assume they're going to go their separate ways like they always do, you know? Right, yeah, Yano, he has the uh, the KOPW to worry about, and Ishii has the, the Never Six-Man titles to worry about. I'm hoping they stick to their stipulation where, like, KOPW ends at the end of the year and, like, it has nothing to do with, like, Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. But, yeah, well, two nights, I don't know, there, there might be a, a KOPW matchup. <laughs> Well, we got another chaos team here to talk about Goto and Yoshihashi. They ended with 10 points, and uh, on the fourth, they defeated Bull Club team of Evil and Yujiro. And then on the sixth, Finjuice defeated them. Very important win because had chaos defeated Finjuice, we would have ended up with a three way final tie where it would have been Dangerous Techers, G.O.D., and this chaos team. And they would have all probably gone to the finals in to have a triple threat match. Instead, they lost on the final night uh, in the main event to Finjuice in what was one of the best matches of the tournament, um, and that knocked them out of contention. Yeah, Goto and Yoshihashi, very similar to Ishii and Yano, that that chaos team, they they worked really hard. We've seen the resurgence of Yoshihashi this year and just, um, you know, based off his performance in the G1, and, you know, just been really motivated and him and Goto have gelled really well together they've been one of the teams in the tournament to watch with just really solid performances uh, night in and night out and yeah I really enjoyed the the matchup with um, against Finn Juice towards the end there like we mentioned earlier on there's also that that kind of story there with Juice and Goto Um, and also there's a story of Yoshihashi Wanted to just continue to succeed. You know, he he has these never six man titles. He's 
you know, trying to win a tournament, win his first tournament, you know, get to a final of his first tournament. And so that, that was kind of a story there. And yeah, solid team throughout the tournament. Um, came up short here against Finjuice, uh, but really enjoyed some of the stuff they did here. The, the one um, difference, you know, Ishii and Yano have a long history of teaming together. Uh, not to say that Goto and Yoshihashi are strangers, but they haven't teamed in my estimation, quite as long or as often as Ishii and Yano. But the one difference they do have is that they're tied together as never six-man openweight tag team champions. So they're almost, to me, like more of an official tag team right now for the time being than, say, Ishii and Yano are. Um, And even though we have, like, say... Some of the like Shingo and Sonata and Ishii and Yano listed above them. I, I I actually question that. I think Goto and Yoshihashi were so close to winning the finals. It really came down to the last second that they might need to be at the top of you know the ten point list guys. Uh, not in terms of performance, but just terms of kayfabe, you know, um, standings. But like you mentioned, these guys uh, they were utility players. You know, um, a lot of the stories kind of have revolved around um, Yoshihashi, like you mentioned. And it does make me wonder, like, we saw a lot of that the last quarter of this year, uh, a lot in this tournament. Do they have further plans for him going down the road? Are they kind of cashing in on this goodwill that he's, like, uh, accumulated at this point? Possibly. But um, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, they're they're not, you know, they're out of the tournament, but they still have six-man tag team titles to defend with. uh, Who are they with? Ichi? Yep. Yeah, so them and Ishii, you know, um, unfortunately, like for me, I think Ishii's like a wrestler of the year candidate in New Japan. Um, apparently, a lot of people don't agree. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't think he, you know, it, it's funny. You know, uh, Royal Rumble comes around. Dale Bryan can't be in the Royal Rumble. You know, Tokyo Dome comes around. Ishii got to be in that six man. Like, that's the way it goes. Yeah. So... Um, but that will be great for Yoshihashi and Goto. Unfortunately, that's usually when people lose those belts. Right. So and, <laughs> probably about to come off those belts. And maybe that's maybe that's a story. Maybe Yoshihashi tries to, you know, successfully defends kind of a big moment for him in the Dome. So we'll see what happens there. Um, another team that came in here with 10 points is the Empire team of the great Okan and Jeff Kabu on uh, December 4th. Did you 4th. say Jeff Kabu or who? Jeff Cobb, Jeff Kabu. That's what the announcers say. They say Kabu? Jeff Kabu. <laughs> <laughs> I've never noticed that. <laughs> um, so on December 4th, they lost to G.O.D. And then on December 6th, they, like we mentioned, they defeated L.I.J. Um, I really enjoyed the Empire team here. They haven't had, they didn't have any, like, you know, great, like, Matching, making like blow away performances, but but they, they fuck. Yes, they, they were they were <laughs> really solid. It, it was really more about establishing them as a team and establishing their characters. We saw Great Okan really trying a lot of different stuff. Also, we saw him change up the attire. I like the, his head arm triangle choke. Yeah, he's doing the head arm triangle choke and some other different type of moves that he was doing throughout this tournament. Also, it's probably kind of hard for him to figure out what's working because he's not getting quite the crowd reaction due to the clap crowds, but. He was trying some different stuff out. I thought Cobb um, was great in, in this heel role. He comes off more menacing. It's more kind of a big bruiser. Um, 
And so I thought he looked really good here throughout this tournament and was kind of steamrolling people when he was in there. And it's really kind of what we wanted to see with him prior to joining the Empire. We're starting to see now here in this role. I'm wondering if someone was rebounding off the ropes, if I could wrap them up in a head arm triangle choke and then like do like a reverse Russian leg sweep, almost like a rock bottom. So we're like, I hold on to them, drop them down, they take the bump, and then I choke them out. I think you could probably work it out. I'm going to talk to Matt, but because like I can do it. I mean, like I've got a BJJ background, so like I know how to do it. I know how to actually like do it. So like I, I see the way he's doing it. I don't like that necessarily, but like I would love to like choke a bitch out with a <laughs> head arm triangle, you know? And what's great too is someone can sell it where their arm is like stiff in the air. Yeah. And they go out and they're stiff and they stop it. It'd be cool. Um, yeah, man. Everything that you said, Okan and Cobb, the Empire. They're trying to establish them as this new force and entity. One thing I noticed was they they worked this their their style of wrestling um, in these tag matches very different from all the other teams. Um, there are certain tendencies and formulas that are kind of followed in the tag team scene in New Japan, and there's not a lot of room for variance. I mean, they kind of, and they're good at what they do, but it's the same. It's a lot of the same shit that you see all the time when it comes to tag team wrestling in new Japan. These guys were really kind of like facilitating like that Southern style, you know, what you kind of see from the North, what you kind of see from FTR, lots of cutoffs, lots of false tags, lots of heat segments, hot comebacks, you know, just that that stuff's exciting when it's done properly by the right team. And I think that they kind of were tapping into that. Um, their matches were kept short. One, uh, That's another thing I noticed. They didn't work mm-hmm. too many really, really, like, long matches or anything of that nature. And um, Cobb, we kind of thought Cobb was coming in to be the pin eater, or whoever it was going to be, Mr. X, was going to come in and be the pin eater. It was, we were very wrong. It ended up being, uh, I think, almost exclusively Okan. Yeah, I'm pretty sure majority of their losses was all Ocon that was eating the pin. But if you notice, they're all roll ups. Right. I think the only one clean, really clean one definitely was the God one. Tamatango hit that man clean with a gun stun, um, got the win over him there. Well, I mean, what can you do? It's a gun stun. <laughs> but um, for the most part, they were like pretty protected. Um, you know, I made a prediction during the award show. I said, "Hey, next year when it comes to strong style." Wrestler of the year, I don't. I was like, I don't know if it's going to be Okan, Cobb, or Osprey, but the style of those guys and the opportunities they're going to get, one of these guys is going to be on the Carl Gotch Awards list. I think we're already seeing the start of it with with Cobb. You know, getting mm-hmm. this title opportunity against Shingo is like one foot like in the right direction. So, yeah, I, I like. Um, I don't know how I feel about the Empire overall. Because it, so much of it rests and falls on Will Ospreay's shoulders. Mm. And they're trying to, to do this uh, second-rate Bruno-Larry feud with him and Okada, and it doesn't work. <laughs> Although I think the match will probably be great. Um, you know, they're, they're just trying to shoehorn the whole thing together real quick right before the Tokyo Dome. It's not going to happen. Right. But um, long-term, a lot of the success of the entire group is going to fall on him because he is the leader. With that being said... I really dig the stuff with, you know, Cobb and Ocon that's happened in this tournament. One other thing I want to mention, and I'll give it back to you. Dave Meltzer has been very openly, 
vocally critical against Okan. And some of his criticisms were warranted. They were some of the same criticisms we had on this show. But some of the things he said are not factual. Like the first one he said was, Okan was not over in England. And that's not true. Initially he wasn't. But then when they started to shift his character, have him team with Rampage Brown, go on the undefeated streak, and then allow him to kind of uh, express himself more... He had better matches. He was very popular. He had big, big reactions. But Dave doesn't watch that stuff, so he doesn't know that. He made, you know, he's, he had an initial, he tuned in initially to form an opinion and then never came back. And then the same thing happened here. Like, he saw the Okada match. He didn't like it. He had criticisms. He didn't see the silver lining <laughs> of, of the cloud. And he has clearly not watched the world tag league because we've seen no ratings from the man and he's just kind of getting secondhand opinions and like he's like oh this company okan he's a lost cause he's done you know i don't know why they even invested in him and like he's missing out because he does he this is gonna be one of his worst takes when it comes to new japan um just because he's completely in the wrong like the guy's getting reactions dude how many cosplays have we seen Oh, this tour. Yeah, we're seeing little kids come out with the freaking question, question mark. mark mask. Yeah, we're seeing people with the fangs like people like this. Dude. There, there's question mark towels. Yeah, bro. Like he's going to be a big star. And we've always we've always known this about Oka. Like, I feel kind of proud because it's like we're three. We're at the three year anniversary mark. And we're not that far away from when we started this show. We were at that initial Young Lions Cup tournament, you know? Mm hmm. And do you remember, like, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to peel back too much, but like when we were just for, first starting the show, we weren't sure what we were going to be. We were trying to figure stuff out, and you're like, you were kind of like, do we want to watch this like Young Lions Cup? It's like they're in these small buildings, single, <laughs> single cam, and I was like, bro, it's, it's. I was like, let's just watch it, and then we watched it. And we're like, this dude Oka is raw. Yes. Oh man, that was <laughs> such a great tournament. Um, yeah. So we've always known. Yeah. This, even this morning, uh, Dave was like, yeah, Ocon's just not charismatic. <laughs> he just lacks charisma. And he, also, he, made, he, he saw him once and he made an opinion. And well, he, he watched the, the final match. Are you serious? And yeah. he still thinks that? Yeah. He's an idiot. I, and you know what? I respect Dave Meltzer a lot. And I, I, but he doesn't always talk. He's way off base on this one. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what he's watching because Ocon comes off a, a ton of charisma. To me, and he has that star presence, and I th- like I mentioned, he's trying things and he's putting it slowly putting it together in the ring. And I think his next singles match, it's, it's going to be raw. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hear this energy coming from him when it came to Watto. <laughs> it reminds me of some other things Dave has been inconsistent about lately. <laughs> Wants to criticize Mike Tyson, but he's not talking about Pat Patterson or Jerry Lawler. Mm. Mm. Uh, <laughs> So uh, moving on <laughs> to the uh, Bullet Club team of Bad Luck Fale and the Crown Jewel Chase Owens, who finished with six points. Oh, you know, okay, one thing. I'm sorry. Uh, before we continue, I want to talk about them, but we need to address this. Last week we talked about. I think it's because the format of the show we're like kind of skimming through stuff. We never talked about Shingo's uh, getting bloodied up last week. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what was that? The God match. Yeah. We didn't talk about like how bad he got busted. Over. We like completely skipped <laughs> over it. Um, I haven't even listened to last week's show, but I just remembered. I was like, "Oh fuck, we didn't say that." Um, so I didn't want anyone to think like we overlooked that. Like that was pretty brutal. 
I don't yeah. know. I just, I just remembered it. Yeah, just all all this tournament stuff is just kind of blending together. Well, with tournament stuff, Fale and uh, Owens on December fourth, they lost to Dangerous Techers. No big surprise there. And then on uh, December sixth, they defeated their Bullet Club brethren, Evil and Yujiro Takahashi. Three minutes and 33 seconds Yeah so kind of the big kind of thing for them here Was that December 6th match against Evil and Yujiro That was the, the first meeting of Evil and Fale and Chase And you know we got the, the big two sweet At the beginning there were no shenanigans Like there were in the, the Girls of Destiny match So I don't know what that kind of That means you know Fale and Chase are actually cool with Evil But we did see This match was pretty much kind of a comedy match We had you know Yujiro opened up He's like uh, Chase, Peter is coming. Peter is coming, and and he tried to get a distraction roll up off of Chase that way, and it's kind of a lot of shenanigans back and forth here until uh, Chase was able to roll up Udro uh, at the end there and get the win for the team. Yeah, this was a uh, pretty comedic. Um, you know what? While we're on it, I mean, we're right. <laughs> <laughs> we're right by Evil and Yujiro <laughs> But um, you know Evil and Yujiro didn't do so hot In this tournament and I think it's because They've got plans for Evil as a single So they're just kind of killing time um, So I wasn't too surprised To see like You know Bad Luck Folly and Chase Owens pick up the win There kind of make them have a, a little bit More respectable point basis I don't know if I said this last week but one thing I have loved is their backstage segments And for all the flack we give Fale, I always love Fale's segments in the back. Yeah, his promos are always hilarious. Um, people don't watch the promos enough, so they don't always love that aspect of him, and then they have to sit through his matches, and they're not always great. But, like, this man be in the back talking about, you know, wanting to restart the count. <laughs> <laughs> Recount the points. I think I did say it last week, yeah, but I'm, did, yeah. I'm still, like, popped by it. I just <laughs> fucking love it. Um, yeah, I don't have much more to say. I mean, Fale and Owens... They're here, every, like, most years, they're the tag team together. You know, they kind of have a little bit of, like, a knockoff Sean and Diesel vibe to them. You know, they do the jump up too sweet, whatever. But uh, their matches are not good, but they're not bad. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't have much more. They're entertaining at the very least. And one thing, Fale, incredible condition compared to how he's looked the last couple of years. He really got in great shape. You know, comparatively speaking, for a guy his size, and he has been noticeably quicker in the ring. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and one other thing, I don't think we really talked about it. One thing I like about uh, Chase's entrance is when he does like the little like gunshot thing, and you hear like, the sound effects. Does he do that? Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I like. Kind of, I don't I either. Don't pay attention, or I fast forward. I don't know. <laughs> I've also noticed that if I'm playing. If I'm casting from my iPad, it's much easier for me to control the the stuff where I can like fast forward and re- rewind. But if I cast from my Samsung, my Galaxy, I cannot do shit. I can't go backwards or forwards. It's just like I'm on one setting and I I can pause it or play it and that's it. Mm. They need to fix this, Danny. <laughs> Danny, talk to them. Well, speaking of being stuck on one setting, uh, Evil and Yudra, like you mentioned, also at six points on December 4th, they lost to Goto and Yoshihashi, and then we mentioned on the 6th, they lost to Fale and Owens. Uh, first week kind of came out hot. They're at the top of the leaderboard, and ever since then, they've just been eating losses, mainly Yudra. 
It's very obvious, like you mentioned, uh, evil. Uh, there's there's plans for evil um, coming off of that big, you know, IWGP title push this summer. Um, and there's not plans for Yujiro, and there's not plans for them as a team. So it made a ton of sense there for for them to, you know, eat a bunch of losses and for Yujiro to eat the pins and obviously to protect evil. Yeah. Um, one thing with uh, on that December 6th match between the two Bullet Club teams, I didn't really... Love it, it was funny, but the great thing that added so much to it was Gino Gambino's uh, <laughs> commentary was just so great. Yeah. He's talking about the man, he's like, he's got a measuring wire yeah. for the tag ropes. And he's like, that's a groat wire. And he's like, no, it's not. He's like, it's a measuring wire. And like, Chris is like, I'm pretty sure it's a groat wire. He's like, Chris, when you've been in the business as long as I have. And then like, they uh, remove the turnbuckle pads. He's like, great. Dick Togo can put them back on now. He's like, he's like, oh, that's great. And they're like, how's that great? He's like, well, now Dick can put it back together. <laughs> or like, uh, Dick Togo like tripped someone with the groat wire while they're running, and he was like, good work, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so good. Yeah, um, man, it's like you know, they're like, what war has Farley been in? The war of New Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that stuff's so funny, man. Um, so let's talk about Tanahashi and Tohanari. They're uh, at the bottom of the board. We're at the end of the World Tag League. They got one win, two points. They lost on the fourth to Sonata and Shingo, and then they lost on the sixth to G.O.D. to ensure G.O.D. getting into the finals. Yeah, I mean, that, that fourth matchup, that main event with L.I.J. was a, a really, really good uh, main event. I really enjoyed that. Obviously, there, there was a disappointment, like we mentioned, of uh, you know Tanahashi not Pitting Shingo set up another title match, but it was still a really good matchup. And Shingo and Hanare had some really great chemistry going there. And then we mentioned the upset on the sixth there of Tanahashi tapping out um, three minutes and five seconds against uh, Tamo Tonga there in that match on the sixth. And yeah, it just I don't know what that meant. Yeah, it just leaves um, a lot of questions on on what's next. It it really does because it makes me wonder. Like, is that? I mean, that's. That booking decision was, and you know what else? I've barely heard anyone talk about it. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm not like as much in the zeitgeist as other people, but like, I haven't heard any buzz about Tama. I mean, I looked on the Reddit. I didn't see anyone talk about it really. I saw the tweet Tama put out, but that's about it. Like, you would think that a moment like that would get a lot more impact, um, but I don't know. I the big question is, what is Tanahashi doing at the dome? We don't know. Uh, we've got what four shows for them to kind of figure it out, basically, like some road two shows and a final. Maybe we'll find something at the final, but like I'm tired of predicting, <laughs> right? <laughs> that oh, this is when they're gonna figure out what's going on with Tanahashi. Like, um, you know, all year Dave Meltzer has been. Um, I know I'm talking a lot about Dave, but like. I've heard him be like, you know, the way they're booking Tanahashi is criminal, you know, and I've thought mm, Dave's kind of off base here, you know, guy was the MVP of the B block. He's had a fantastic tag team run. Um, they're kind of using him in the spot that they need to use him in. And, uh, you know, they're going to have something for him. They're going to have something for him. It's Tanahashi. It's the dome. Right. But now I'm getting nervous. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm like, I got to tell you, I do think. That if they don't have something for Tanahashi at the Dome this year, it is criminal. And that's a mis 
handling of the book. And uh, I mean, I'll tell you right now, I know people don't want to hear this if you're listening, but, and I, there's a lot of challenges going up against them and they were kind of handicapped just by the nature of how they book in New Japan already. But like, um, you know, Gato's not the booker of the year this year. For the first time in what, seven or eight years, he's yeah. not the booker of the year. Tony Khan is the booker of the year. And um, I don't like saying that. Uh, and you know what? I don't know. I've been hearing a lot of buzz about Noah. I don't even know how good the booking is in Noah, but like maybe, maybe whoever's got the book over there is the, <laughs> I don't know. But um, I, it would be highly questionable if Tanahashi doesn't have something of prominence going into that dome. And right now he doesn't. And I'm worried. Yeah, I, I'm kind of worried too, especially just looking like what's the, the matchup that he has on the final night, uh, which we'll talk about here in a second. It's like, what, what are they doing? And then, and then there's Royal Tokyo Dome, but usually Royal Tokyo Dome, it's like you kind of already know where the match is going to be, and those are just more preview matches. So to set up an angle there, it's like it seems really last minute, really rushed. And I'm just like, man, this is Tanahashi. He should be having a, a big money program. I get he doesn't have to be in the main event. No. He doesn't have to be in a title match. But I, but if he ends up in that fucking gauntlet, if he ends up in that six-man gauntlet, I'm going to be heated. Yeah, that that is definitely, yeah, that is booking malpractice there. And, yeah, I'm hoping, yeah, something comes out here. The real story of this team throughout the tournament, though, and we'll move on, Toa Hanare, I mean, He's been kind of shouldering most of the in-ring work for the team. Um, you know, this time of year is kind of an off period for Tanahashi when he's in these tournaments, and that remained to be the case here. But Toa Hinari looked so sharp, so invigorated. Um, there's no reason that a team that got booked this low <laughs> um, where he should have put forth as much effort. He's also wrestling like... For the, you know what? He's always had a lot of intensity, but he's also on that list of like, I'm I, not going back. I'm not going back to the <laughs> island. <laughs> he's, he worked some shows, and I saw on Cage Match, he worked a couple shows in New Zealand that like no one can find. And I was like, this man was like, never again. <laughs> <laughs> like, this man came in with all the Muay Thai knees, all the Muay Thai elbows. Yeah. Doing roundhouse kicks, flying knees, like he's he's looked really awesome throughout the tournament, and I'm I want to be excited, but history has told me I don't have a reason to be excited for him, uh, just because they've never given him the push. The biggest push he ever had was a mini feud with um, Ishii. Ishii once two or three years ago. At this point, like three years ago, so basically, so um, I would love for them to do something with him going forward. But um, he looked great in the tournament for what it's worth. Yeah, definitely one of the standouts there. Like you mentioned, with them being at the bottom of the block, you know, not not a ton of main events. He had that, that one main event with LIJ. It's like he didn't really have to work as hard as he did. but That match was awesome. But he did. Every night went out there, gave it his all, really impressed. He's, he's almost like a doki. They're, they're these bottom of the block roles, but they're working really hard. And they're one of the, you know, one of the kind of standouts throughout the whole tournament. Well, we got a question regarding Hanare. Um, he said, what are your thoughts on what is next for Toa Hanare? I'm pretty impressed with how sharp he comes across since returning. I could see him doing great things with Suzuki, Shingo, Ishii, Goto, Cobb, and other guys with that kind of vibe. 
Yeah, uh, what's next? That, that's the question. I think we, we always kind of ask ourselves that question, what is next with Toa Hanare? Because, like you mentioned, he has that rivalry with Ishii. They, they kind of keep putting him in certain scenarios where it's like, okay, it feels like he's ready to come back from this big push. And it, it felt like the pandemic would have been a great time of him being gone for so long to kind of come back, make a splash, make an impact, and kind of get on the winning roll. But like you mentioned earlier, it was like he was frozen in time. And when he came back, they just hit the the, uh, the unpause button, and he was picked up right where he left off, kind of in that almost in a semi young lion role where he's you know eating all these pinfalls. And so, what's next? I w- I would love to see him kind of be uh, a feature in the Never Division, and and you know wrestle some of these guys that you mentioned here: Rambo and Slam Pig, Suzuki's, Shingo's, Ishii's, Goto, Cobb's, and have some rivalries there, but. I don't know what they need to do, but there something needs to happen where he's he gets off of this level where he's just constantly jobbing and he and he's getting some wins. I agree. Yeah, I think he's so well suited for the Never Division. I'm hoping that they go that way with him going forward. Uh, I don't know that that will be the case, but it would be awesome. Um, it was funny when you talked about him being frozen and then them hitting the unpause button. Kind of remind me of like. Uh, <laughs> Like Austin Powers, <laughs> this man stuck in another era. Yeah. Um, Viking Pain asked us, "Are you guys ready to see Tanahashi wrestle in the Never Six Man Open Weight Tag? The Never Open Weight, uh, Never Six Man Open Weight Tag Team Gauntlet Wrestle Kingdom 15 with his dream team of Honma and Hanare. God, so there's other people who are already. I haven't looked at the questions. Probably like, I, obviously, you put the. If you guys don't know, Jeremy puts the rundown together. Jeremy does everything. I just come in on talking <laughs> and, and drink. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's funny. We're kind of echoing some of the same sentiments of our listeners. Yeah. Um, I am not ready for Tanahashi to be in the never six-man openweight gauntlet. This man needs to have a singles match against somebody um, and, and be highlighted like he deserves to be highlighted. Uh, it, it, it really will be like... A black eye on the booking. If he, it's like him, uh, Hanare and Wato in, in like the gauntlet. Well, you know, um, probably about three years ago, we had another, we had another show on this station with people that I like and respect a lot. Good friends of ours, no longer on the on the um, network. I won't name names, but they were criticizing. Tanahashi saying he needed to be moved down. You know, that old argument, you know, mm-hmm. body's broken down. He's old. He's been here forever. Let's get some young blood in here. And then, like, I remember refuting them and being like, yo, he's the same. Back then, I was like, he's the same age at that moment as Ric Flair was in 89 when he had, like, a career best year, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and... I remember thinking like that's so ludicrous because he's got so much more in the tank. And then what, like a year or two later, he's headlining against Kenny Omega and you know, he had that incredible G one and then the, the career Renaissance and then he beat Kenny Omega. It was like this awesome story. So I kind of felt vindicated when that happened, but that wasn't that long ago. It might seem like it, but if you think about it, I mean, this guy headlined wrestle kingdom two years ago. Yeah. And then what did he do last year? He was Jericho. Yeah, he was in there with Jericho. So it's like I know some people might think like, oh, he's ready for dad status. They've been telling us he's old all year. 
But look at his G1. I mean, he carried the B block on his shoulders. Uh, no matter what, you know, diehard Naito fans want to tell you, the, the reality, he was the MVP of that block. Do you think this is a Liger scenario happening here? We've seen with Liger when he was kind of winding down. Pushing he, himself down? Yeah. He, we know Liger kind of had influence on his booking, and he was he got to the point in his career where he just wanted to put people over. And I don't think so, because Liger... Really kind of like, I mean, I started earlier than this, but like, I'm thinking of like when he was clearly like, okay, I'm like going to go to the background. It was like 2001, 2002. And he kept, you know, wrestling in <laughs> yeah. a pretty prominent role for quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think it's quite that. I mean, if it could be, I'm not, I mean, I don't have the book and I, I don't work for New Japan, so I don't know for sure. But, um, I think it would be asinine to think that you can go from being the headline and then semi-headline of Wrestle Kingdom to the next year being in the six-man tag when you're as important as Tanahashi. I know there's you got to circulate guys, give people opportunities, but it's fucking Tanahashi, you know? This is, that'd be like saying like John Cena shouldn't have a prominent role on Wrestle Kingdom or <laughs> WrestleMania. Like it's like no, well, he's John Cena. He's a fucking draw. He's a proven commodity draw. Like, that's what Tanahashi is, too. I'm not saying he needs to be in the semi-main event. But I am saying he needs to have a program against somebody. It doesn't even have to be good. I'm not even advocating he has a good opponent. I'm saying it just needs to be something that is marketable and that matters. You know? Mm-hmm. That's it. And they haven't done it. I mean... Had a long time to try to build something, and we don't have anything. So I'm I'm kind of lost. Yeah, and may, maybe you know we'll get some answers this Friday on the final show in in the six man tag that he's in, which we'll get to in a second. So we'll see there. Maybe he'll wrestle uh, Jay White. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Um, so one thing we have to talk about uh, from these uh, past few nights was on December 5th, we had the return of Naito and Ibushi on the tour. On December 5th, there was, uh, it was LIJ, Sonata, Shingo, and Naito. They defeated the team of Kota Ibushi, Satoshi Kojima, and Tomioka Hanuma. Did you have any thoughts on the interactions with Naito and Ibushi that night? Not really. Did you? I mean, it didn't. I didn't find any of it to be very interesting. It felt like we talked about unfreezing things. It felt like they went back to twenty twenty. Is that the year? The last time they wrestled in the um, Garden, twenty nineteen. Oh, it was twenty nineteen, wasn't it? We're in twenty twenty right now. Okay, <laughs> my bad. Um, it felt like we went back to twenty nineteen, unfroze everything, and they were right back in that three match series. Like, yeah, which. Never was really a heated feud. It was always. Uh, I want to drop you on your neck. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a professional, you know, competitive natured feud between them two, and that's kind of what I got out of this one. There, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was just happy to see that the chemistry was still there. Yes. So it, it gives me hope that they're going to have a banger at the dome. Oh, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about. Listen, I know that, um, you know, when it comes to in-ring work, Naito didn't necessarily have, quote-unquote, the best year. But, I mean, they weren't putting him in there with the guys to do it. You right. know, If you put Naito in that A-block 
we would be talking about him for sure. We'd be like, he's a for sure candidate for wrestler of the year, you know, Mm -hmm. but instead they gave him evil four times. It's different, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And we saw what he could do against Tanahashi. There's no way him and Ibushi have a... I mean, I've never seen him and Ibushi have a bad match. Yeah. Ever. I am worried about him and Jay White, but I'm not worried about him and Ibushi. Yeah, I don't think we... Yeah, we're going to have to worry about that based off some of the stuff we saw in this this multi-man tag here. Chemistry's still there, and so I'm really looking forward to that matchup at the Dome. Uh, we had a question here from British user Germanis. Uh, it's his question. Is there any chance that either G.O.D. or El Desperado win their respective finals? It would seem that either of these victories would set up heel versus heel matches for the Dome. I don't remember too many of those matches on January 4th. I mean, it's an undercard, so anything can happen. I mean, it's not really that important. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Desperado. I'm, I feel very confident Desperado. In fact, I would like put hard money on it that Desperado is not winning. I could be wrong because, like you mentioned, there's a lot of, like, they could do a multi-man match or something like that. But I feel very confident they're not doing Ishimori against Desperado at the Dome with Hiromu left out in the cold. It's not happening. Right. I mean, if Despi wins, Hiromu can pull out the, hey, I pinned Taiji in the tournament right. to get the three-way uh, going there. With G.O.D., like we've been saying for ever now we feel like they're going to win i do think what's going to happen is i think there is going to be a screwy finish there uh similar to the the tag title match in atlanta where finn juice was about to win something happens and mijato gets involved and god cheats and because finn juice gets cheated the iwgp committee throws them in in the title match and it's god versus techers versus finn juice at the dome who's on the iwgp committee I, I don't know. I've never heard of the IWGB committee ever actually making any official decisions. It's always just like... Well, because they, they like to be in the background. <laughs> the they, invisible they, hand? They, exactly. They don't want to be Harold May <laughs> out uh, out in front tr- creating promo packages, running down to the aisle. That's not how it works in New Japan. The IW... Okay, Jeremy, you're being a noob here. The way it works in New Japan is you walk down to the ring and you you, you say, I want, a, I want a challenge, and then you just get it. Well, then the IWGP, they, they, they sanction that challenge. They, they, they approve it. They, they, no, no, they don't. It, it makes the job easy for them. They don't, they, don't, they don't have to make challengers. They let people come out, do the challenge. Like, oh, great. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, we'll, we'll, sign, we'll sign that match oh, off. We didn't have anything booked for that date, so that works out perfect. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, GOD's for sure winning. I think the fact that you think they're cheating to win is uh, – I mean, I don't know where you came up with that. That's crazy. <laughs> a Bullet Club team, God, with mass with with Master Heater. That's crazy. Yeah, with, with the good bad guy. Yeah, that's insane. But yeah, I I'm I feel very confident God is winning. I mean, very 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 confident. So, um, Tomohiro Ishii asked us a question. I love this guy's name or <laughs> or her name because it does say she in the name, so it might be a female. I'm right, not sure. Yeah. Um, or it might be. Some other pronoun. I don't know. What, however they right. We don't. We don't want to discriminate. No. Uh, which match from each tournament was your favorite? Who was the most improved from this tour? And who was the MVP of this tour? Uh, for me, my favorite match of the tournament will, or I guess, well, for each tournament. So from the junior favorite tournament. Favorite match. So from the junior side, it's going to be Hiromu and Robbie Eagles. From the tag team side, um, 
the tag team one's easy for me. I mean, very easy. There was nothing else that touched it. It was Shingo and Sonata against Dangerous Techers. Yeah. I was trying to think back if any if there's any of the chaos matches with with against LIJ or Tickers that might have been it for me, but yeah, it's probably yeah, Dangerous Tickers and Los Ingobernables to help home. My favorite match of the junior side was Doki and Hiromu. I, I acknowledge it wasn't the best match of the tournament, and I think that those are clear distinctions you need to make. Um, but it was my favorite match of the tournament. I loved that match. I thought it was so fucking awesome. Um, most improved from the tour has got to be Doki. Yeah, hands down. Just great performances night after night. And just one of the literally one of the highlights. Like you, if you do like the star rating averages like on Grapple, like he's in like the top half. Yeah, of performers. I mean, show's not. I mean, show show's got an argument. Despy's got an argument. Some of the tag teams have arguments. Um, I think Cobb, Cobb has an argument. Cobb, yeah. But I mean, for me, it's Doki. Uh, MVP of the tour, Hiromu. Hiromu's the clear cut, uh, clear cut MVP. But if you were gonna go tag, I would go Shingo Sonata. Yeah. Which like is surprising because I I fully intended to give it to uh, Dangerous Techers again for what the third year in a row. Yeah. But I think they got just barely passed by Shingo and Sonata this uh, this time around. Uh, question from Radio Viking Pain: Who has been a standout for Best Super Junior and World Tag League for you guys, and who has been a disappointment? Um, well, one standout for me. I mean, we mentioned Doki Show. Show's been a huge standout for me uh, for the Super Juniors and um, for the World Tag League. I think, like we mentioned, Show Sonata. I think Empire. Really stood out quite a bit, uh, Yoshihashi. But as far as a disappointment, um, God, huge disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, Gucci, Taguchi, definitely um, Ishimori. It's gonna be a little controversial because he definitely had some really good performances, but he had so many lack semi lackluster performances that he's got to be a big disappointment in my book. Uh, Huato, I was hoping that he would use this tournament to kind of break out. Wato for sure. Um, also, when we talk about most improved, um, definitely Hanare. Yeah. Yeah, he's in there too. Uh, next series question here from uh, Ready, Ready User Dom Homie 101. First, he asks, with reports of Dragon Lee, a.k.a. Ryu Lee, supposedly being this year's special super junior, do you guys think we would have gotten Hiromu versus Lee instead of Hiromu versus El Esperado as the main event at Budokan Hall? Um... I don't know. A lot of the storyline stuff that we've seen throughout the year fits more perfectly with this final being the case. But, I mean, how could you have gone wrong with a Hiromu Ryu Lee final? Right. Like, the story writes itself. There's so much rich history there and great matches. Like, that could have easily just been another chapter in their feud. Bro, remember how good Desperado and Rio Lee was from a couple years ago? Yeah. Can you imagine we got that again? Ugh. They were talking about doing a mask versus mask match a couple yeah, years ago. Yeah, they were, like, building that. <laughs> Never happened. Fuck. Um, <laughs> uh, Dom Homie 101 asked, so what's next for guys like Robbie Eagles, show Master Watto Doki, thoughts on Yuya Yumora, what's his ceiling? When will he go on excursions? That's a lot. He just asked us. Yeah. Uh, so real quick on on Yumora, as far as him going on excursion, obviously we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, that don't mean nothing. <laughs> I choose not to live in fear, Jeremy. <laughs> so I'm not going to wear my mask anymore. <laughs> um, 
uh, I don't. I'll sleep with the pandemic. I don't know. I mean, they they could send him over to the LA dojo, have him work strong. I don't know if they want him to do that. But as far as going to Mexico, nobody's going to Mexico anytime soon. I don't think anybody's going to the UK anytime soon. So his only hope of some kind of excursion would be an LA dojo. Uh, you go to New Zealand, work with Fale. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I don't know when he's going to go on an excursion. If he is going to go on an excursion, I, I mean, they could pull up a Carl Fredericks with him and just have him, him graduate. Uh, what's his ceiling? Um, I don't, he has a ton of potential. Um, I mean, I think his ceiling is top star of the company, ace of the company, world champion. Um, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. This is not a prediction, but when you talk about ceiling, I don't see why not right now. Right. He has, he has all the potential to to be that. I mean, obviously, time will tell what will happen. Um, as far as what's next for guys like Eagle, Show, Wato, Doki, um, I do think with the the junior tag division in you know desperation, uh, I need a team. I do, I do think you can put Eagles and Show. Together as a team, you can put Wato and Taguchi together as a team, and then Doki he could, he could fill in for Kanamaru and be Desperado's partner. Um, so all those guys like we mentioned with the junior division, if you're not in the title match, then you're probably in the in the junior in the junior tag uh, match or division, or you're doing prelim random you know. faction versus faction multi mans. Right, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I can see all these guys. Going into the junior tag division, especially at the dome, I'm sure that they'll want to do a junior tag title match. Uh, I wish they would do more um, like junior only style cards throughout the year. Um, you know, I don't see why they couldn't do that from time to time. They used to have a lot of like produce type shows throughout the year in New Japan back, especially in like the mid 2000s. Um, you know, I think of like lockup and stuff like that. I think it would just be cool every now and again to have like a junior showcase show. You know, um, why not? Because they don't. Why not? You know, because those guys are so good. It would just be a good idea. I think every mm-hmm. now and again to do that. Yeah, I would be down for that. Uh, so Don Homie also asked, so with teams like Finjuice, Goto and Yoshihashi, G.O.D., Dangerous Ticker, Sonata and Shingo, Cobb and Okan, Hanare Tanahashi, why can't NJPW put steam behind these heavyweight tags, tag teams outside of Tag League? Well, most of these tag teams, just to be clear, they're not tag teams. Um, Finjuice is a tag team, G.O.D. is a tag team, and Dangerous Techers is a tag team. The rest of these teams are kind of just thrown together because they operate within factions, and that's about it. And the reality is the booking is very rudimented and formulaic in its layout, you know? Um, I mean, we used to get... It's funny. We don't get these questions anymore. When we first started, we used to get a lot of questions. What do you think is going to be the Dominion... What do you predict for Dominion next year? What do you predict for Wrestle Kingdom next year? And we stopped getting those questions. I think it's because we buried the people who were like, "This is these are stupid questions. <laughs> um, but, you know, we could kind of give you an idea of what is going to happen because it's like, you know, this point of the year, this is happening, this tournament, and then this show, and then this tournament, and then this show, and then we're going to go through this series. So, you know... It, it is hard for them to... I, do I think there's room for them to focus more on the tag team division? 
Yes, but that would that would uh, mean they need to actually have some seriously formed tag teams, not just guys that are thrown together. Although there's nothing wrong with that from time to time, but actually commit to certain teams and then have them go on lengthy booking. You know, but the problem is like most of these guys once once this is broken up, they're just going to go back to what they were doing. You know, right? Like we mentioned, like. The core three of the tag division right now is is Finn Juice, Chico, Dangerous, Techers. It's probably going to be those three teams as a triple threat at the Tokyo Dome, and then maybe you'll you'll have like Finn Juice win again, and then it'll probably Finn Juice and God continuing to rival, and then you throw your Techers back in, and so it's it's going to be that loop we saw like we see we see all the time like when we started this show it was uh, Killer Elite Squad, God, and War Machine that were the three teams that you just you just you kind of bounce in between. And so that, and that's just kind of the holding pattern that we, we get into, and that's just because based off how Gable has booked tag teams, and also there's a lot more emphasis on on singles wrestling. On singles, the, the the emphasis is on the singles. It's about building up single stars, singles feuds, and that really is what drives most of the business in the company. Now, one other thing to think about is. If they decided to focus more on tag teams, it would come at the sacrifice of other people working on the card. Because most of the undercards, while they do from time to time have a tag team match here or there, most of them are six-mans, eight-mans, ten-mans. That means a lot of people getting paychecks, working dates on the card. If you get rid of one of those, say, eight-man tags, you're taking paydays away from four guys. Uh, Now... Could that be beneficial for everybody all around long term based on business, based on things like that? Maybe. But uh, I don't know how the boys would feel about that. You know, I don't know if like Gato and, you know, Bushy Road like all feel like it would be that much more beneficial. And he's just not inclined. He just doesn't like tag team wrestling. He never even. And it's funny because he is a tag team wrestler. Right. <laughs> but his booking philosophies. And his influences, they didn't real he doesn't come from a background that focuses on tag teams. It's all about what drives business and it's that's always been singles. Exactly. For for them, anyways. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to question from Reddit user PSAN91 says, I really enjoyed the Best Super Junior slash World Tag League final day and found that it flew by watching it live, especially compared to the first time, which dragged at times. My question is about what sort of storyline and or Wrestle Kingdom implications do you see them looking for at the undercard for Best of Super Junior World Tag League Finals on Friday? So I think to appropriately answer that question, let's, let's take a let's, look at the card. Yeah. So we've got Robbie Eagles, show and Tor- and I've this is the first time I'm looking at it. So I didn't even know what they were doing for the finals until now live on the show. <laughs> um, show Yano, and Eagles against Ishimori, Chase Owens, and Bad Luck Fale. Second match of the night, Hanare, uh, Tanahashi and Okada, wow, versus Jeff Cobb, Great Okan, and Will Ospreay. That makes sense. Sonata and Shingo against Yujiro and Evil. Uh, fourth match of the night, Master Wato and Ibushi versus Bushi and Naito. Fifth match of the night, main event number one, World Tag League Finals, Finn Juice against G.O.D., and then main event number two, Hiromu against Desperado. Yeah, so as far as Wrestle Kingdom implications, I, I don't, mean, I don't see any. I mean, obviously the 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 main events also are going to determine the junior title match and the tag title match, the the 
match with Ibushi and Naito, obviously that's building to the Ibushi-Naito match. Now, when we look at LIJ versus Bullet Club here, Sonata and Chingo versus Yujiro and Evil, I think there is the potential to either set up a Sonata versus Evil singles match at the Dome or a Shingo versus Evil never title match at the Dome. Both possibilities. Um, I think Evil Sonata makes the most sense to me just based on their history, based on everything that's taken place this year. And I think I would have, people don't want to hear this, but they're probably going to have Evil beat Sonata in the Dome. Right. (laughs) (laughs) My God, Evil's had, or Sonata's had such a terrible year. Um, The one thing I think some people might look at is Tanahashi in that tag team match. Against the Empire, which leads leads to, you know, the great Okan angle that happened at the beginning of the the tour. So maybe they follow up on that? Yeah, so maybe you're doing, because obviously you have Okada and Osprey in there that are kind of facing off. um, And then you do Tanahashi and Okan. I would be completely fine with Tanahashi and Okan. I know a lot of other people, especially casuals, you know, some of the, like, people that have gone and... They've gone to AEW and like they don't really follow New Japan, but they still love Tanahashi. They're not going to like this, but I think most of the diehard fan base are going to be fine with it. I'm fine with it because here's the deal: is like Tanahashi is kind of down on the card. He's gonna be working with a his if if this is what ends up happening, his former young boy. <laughs> Right. <laughs> who turned on him and attacked him on the first night of the tour and someone who needs to be made. And who's better at making people than Hiroshi Tanahashi? Is there a better dance partner that great Okan could ask for in the dome than Tanahashi? My only hope is that it ends up being better than say like the Jay White experiment when he first came back. Right. And I was going to bring it up when we, we've seen Tanahashi in this weird role where like, yeah, he, he's facing Jay White who, Unlike Ocon, didn't have any matches ahead of time. First debut was at the Dome, and we always got the promo videos of him, you know, carving, you know, the the walls with the knife. And so, Tanahashi's been in this position before, where he's he's facing a young line returning from excursion that they're trying to get over. So I would be fine with um, him versus Ocon. I think him and Ocon could have a banger, low key. Yeah. So that that's the stuff I see. I don't see too much. I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, I, I feel like I feel like Cobb's gonna get the fall over Hanare to kind of help push him in the direction to look strong for challenging Shingo. Most of this is preview stuff that we already knew was going gonna happen going into the dome. So, um, one. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, do you want let's let's do our quick uh, let's do our review of the. World Tag League Super Junior Finals and kind of, I mean, we kind of did a little bit, but let's uh, talk about it, give our predictions, everything like that. Um, so for the World Tag League Finals, I think G.O.D. will defeat Finn Juice. I feel like they're, like I mentioned earlier, they're going to do it in nefarious means, which will allow Finn Juice to still get into the title match at the Dome. It's got to be G.O.D. I've listed my reasons earlier in the show. It's their year. They need it for their legacy, and I think that because of the fact that they're the old faithful and they don't, like, I, I've got feelings that they're going to lift the belts off of Dangerous Techers going into the Dome, and that just makes a lot of sense to me. So, um, And I think that will, like, make them, like, the all-time IWGB heavyweight tag team, like, record tag team title holders at that point. Yeah. I think when it's all said and done, 
they're going to have like the most title reigns and have held the titles for the longest period of any anybody ever. Are they going to be like one of the quote unquote greatest tag teams to like not have like many great tag team matches? Yes. I mean, they already are. In a kayfabe sense, they're one of the, I mean, remember they held like the Ring of Honor, the Never Six Man, and the heavyweight title simultaneously. Yeah. Like that was crazy. And you know what was funny was like they were the tag team of the year last year. They won our tag team of the year awards last year, and it was for good reason because they were like kind of awesome that previous year, but yeah, this year not so much. Um, the main event number two, Best Super Junior Finals, Hiromu Takahashi versus El Desperado. I'm still going with my original pick of Hiromu winning it all. They did a single block tournament earlier this year where Hiromu and Bushi were beaten on back-to-back nights by Desperado and um, Kanemaru. And I'm wondering if they're trying to kind of like play up on that like because it's another single block tournament. Romu, like everything you've alluded to, all the troubles he's had with uh, Desperado, not only as a young lion where he was defeated so many numerous times, but also since his return from excursion where I think he's only, I could be, I haven't looked, but I think he's only beaten Desperado one time and it was when he was the champion defending after the uh, Super Juniors. Mm. I think every Super Juniors match they've had prior to this, he's lost. To Desperado so um, But I think it's very clear That hey I hated When they did that booking when they had Suzuki Goon beat LIJ Back to back both nights that I was like that sucks Yeah so if they do it Again in my opinion I think that's terrible booking and I think that The dead giveaway is Desperado cheated To beat Hiromu in a fantastic match Early on and Booking 101 Tells you like the young fiery baby face <laughs> is going to get his comeuppance and what better way to do it than in, you know, the Budokan, which is, you know, in a tournament final and it's going to lead to a title shot. And I mean, I don't see them putting a lot of, let's just talk about from a faith standpoint, do they have faith in Despe- Desperado has never won the title. He's never won a tournament this is the this is the most this is the biggest match of his entire career. So this is a big deal. This is them pushing him for real. But and it and it is going to lift him to a new level. But do I think that this company has faith in him and Ishimori to go out there and have like a really great Wrestle Kingdom match? No. Uh could they? Sure, but the deal is Hiromu's a big star. What do you do? We've been saying this all every episode since this all started. What do you do with Hiromu? If he's not winning it, what do you do? And there's not enough time for them to figure that out. If Despi wins, then then they have to pull out the Hiromu beat Taiji card, and it's a three-way. they got to do something. So it's very clear, in my opinion, Hiromu's winning, and that's the deal. Do you want to give me predictions for these undercard matches? Any, Any final thoughts? No? Um, I think that um, I think the Ishimori team in on the first uh, show of the or the first match of the night, it's very clearly Ishimori's team's going to win. Probably, in my opinion, you think so? Yeah, Chase Owens is the lowest guy on totem pole. In the, to me, I think in in that matchup, 
Could be, but I mean, you've got two juniors in Yano. Those are all viable pin eaters. Right. And then you and got, you got Fale and you got Ishimori, who is the junior champion. And I think the junior champion has to win on the same night that his challenger is going to be in the main event. Unless they try to use that to shoehorn one of those guys into a title match at the Dome. Honestly, I think we're overthinking it. I think they're just going to do Ishimori and Takahashi again. Okay. I, I That's my opinion. I just think they're just... I've considered those options. I thought they were viable, but now with how little time there is between now and then, I think they're just going to do it. Yeah, I think yeah, the Taiji team does make make the most sense. But for some reason, I don't know. I just feel like I think the Chaos team is going to pull up upset. Ishimori is going to tap out Eagles. That's that's probably what's going to happen. Either that or like you know, Fale is going to fall on Yano or some <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, second match of the night. Uh, I've got the Empire winning that. Yeah, I got Cobb pinning Hanare. Yep, um, that makes them. That makes a lot of sense. Um, third match of the night, I think Evil and Yujiro probably beat Sonata Shingo. Yeah, I think Evil is going to pin whoever he's going to fight the dome. He's going to pin Sonata or Shingo. Also, I mean, we might be a little off base there. I mean, Yujiro is the pin eater, very obviously. I think we're looking to set something up for the dome. Yujiro could easily lose. And it still set up the dome. It still set up something. Yeah. So, I mean, that's always an opportunity. But I think we'll be a little risky here and say evil. Um, and then the fourth match leading into the main events, Watonabushi versus Bushi and Naito. I mean, it's kind of a wash. I mean, you got Wato or Bushi losing there. Uh, I, I think Naito's going to destino Wato. Okay, and Abushi's going to hit a... Uh... Kamagoya. <laughs> Phoenix splash on Bushi. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to hit him with the Phoenix Plex to win. <laughs> so let's talk about the show that I think we're very excited for. You know, it's coming up on December 12th. Uh, what is this? One day after the World uh, Tag League Super Junior Finals. Uh, I believe this is going to be live, right? Yes, live one day tournament. The Super J Cup is back. So let's. Go over this card and uh, talk about what we think is going to go down here. So we have the Young Lion, Clark Connors, taking on Impact's Chris Bay. We have ACH taking on the great TJP. We have Ray Horace from Ring of Honor taking on GCW's Blake Christian. We have last year's Super Junior, uh, excuse me, Super J Cup winner, El Fantasmo, taking on Leo Rush, and obviously that will lead into semifinals, and then uh, before the finals, we will have a tag matchup. We will have the return of Young Lion Ren Narita teaming up with the Alpha Wolf Carl Fredericks to take on the Bullet Club team of Hikaleo and Kenta. So, young boy, let's start with the Super J Cup matches. So, who do you got? Uh, what are your predictions here? So, I was kind of thinking maybe you and I would go through it together, and maybe we could come up with a collective prediction. I'm sure our ideas are not too far off. Um, okay, so let's start with because because the the first and the second match of the night that's one side of the bracket, and then the third and fourth that's the other side, right? Correct. Okay. So, I mean, let's start with Clark Connors and Chris Bay. Um, I'm thinking Chris Bay beats Clark Connors. I agree. Um, that's a match I'm very excited for, and 
I think some New Japan like purists probably think, well, Clark Connor should beat him. He's an outsider from Impact. But I think, um, you know, who knows what's going on with Impact in New Japan anymore. But when this all started, it was like, oh, it's, this is a sign of goodwill. Impact's working with New Japan. Well, you know, possibly. Right. You know. I, don't, I don't think Don Callis and <laughs> Scott Demore are sitting over their former X Division champion. For no to, reason. To, to lose to a young lion in the opening round. That's my exact thought. I think um, I think Chris Bay has no shot of going to a finals here. But I think he's going to look good and get at least two two matches, you know, worth of work in. And so I think he has to beat Clark Connors. Um, and that's this is a great opportunity for Clark Connors, who is still, you know, quote unquote a young lion. Um, Chris Bay is really good. So Yeah. Although, you know, I think it depends on your school of thought. I think some if if you're like a fundamentalist, you probably think Clark Connors is better. And I think maybe I feel that way. But as far as like a entertaining performer goes, some of the more flair, some of the more high flying things like that. Chris Bay is very good, very you know he's experienced too. So then, uh, the winner of that will face the winner of ACH in the Great TJP. So. Well, the interesting thing on my side is I believe whoever wins this match may be winning the tournament. Well, no, we'll definitely be going to the finals at the very least, but has an outside chance of winning it. So this is a very important match, and I think it's a 50-50. Yeah, this is a toss-up because I'm honestly TJP that has been there a little bit longer, but since ACH has come, uh, you know, been released from WWE, they've been using him a lot on Strong, and it's one of these things where like both guys are used very regularly on Strong. They both haven't really been pushed super hard. They're both almost on, on the same level. Um, if it was me, I'm I'm going with ACH. If it was me as well, I I would go with ACH, and I, I like the idea of an ACH Chris Bay matchup there in the semifinals. Oh, do you? <laughs> Us. <laughs> uh, I would have no problem with the TJP Chris Bay match as well, but uh, ACH right now is just he's so on fire on the indies. I mean, this guy is killing it, and um, I think 2021 is going to be his year. Um, even if it's not for the rest of us, it's going to be for him. <laughs> and uh, I think ACH is going to get past TJP. Uh, for that's my prediction, and right. I think it's yours too. Yep. So what we have, uh, so we have Chris Bay and ACH in one of the semifinals. So then we have Ray Horace and Blake Christian. I liked your accent there; it's very <laughs> good. Um, Ray Horace, Blake Christian is also, in my opinion, kind of a toss-up. Um, I kind of I'm leaning towards Blake Christian just because he's been featured more on the programs the first time. They're bringing in Ray Horace onto New Japan programming, All right? Um, so and he's a Ring of Honor uh, representative. Yeah, one third of the ROH Six Man Championships. Uh, well, I initially was predicting Phantasmo to win this whole thing, and so one thing I just had a problem with is like he beats a black guy, then he beats a Mexican guy, then he probably beats another black guy in the finals. I don't like that. That's <laughs> And then I was like, it's lucky he's from Canada. He kind of gets the Canada pass. But uh, I was like, with the way things are going in this country, I don't know. That's We need to heal. We need to heal. Um, <laughs> no, I was just joking. I, I told that uh, joke to Rich, though, and he, he popped over. So, um, Ray Horace, Blake Christian. I mean, I really don't know. I mean, I think Blake 
Christian's very good. I think Ray Horace is much better than Blake Christian at this point. I agree. Um, but you brought up some really great points about like Ray Horace not being super exposed, you know, to the New Japan audience so far. I mean, it's his first match with them, basically. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going Blake Christian. Um, I'll, I'll pretty much ride with you because that makes sense to me. But either way, I got to tell you, I think whoever goes is going to get a li- I think it, it's similar to Chris Bay. I think they're getting eliminated second round. Right. So I think it's a little bit inconsequential. Um, one thing I will say, though, is it would be a really great opportunity for either one of these guys at this stage in their career to go to get that second opportunity. I think it would um, mean a little bit more to Blake Christian but Ray Horace is kind of an overlooked commodity. He sort of needs that exposure as well. Mm-hmm. So I think I would look for both of those guys to wrestle. Like I'm not going back as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think either way, either one of them's losing. And then we have ELP and the man of the hour. The I think he's 24 now. The 24 year old piece of gold, Leo Rush. Um, very excited to see Leo Rush here in New Japan. I love the little promo video that they did for him on Twitter. Um, you know, he's been on fire since being released from WWE. Have a lot of good stuff on the indies. And I think this could be a very uh, entertaining uh, matchup here for the end of the first round. Yeah, I thought that the promo video that they did for him leading into this, very interesting. Um Quick rundown on that because I guess we should discuss it just very briefly. Is like he, it's extremely cinematic. He's um, being interrogated by these police and they're like trying to figure out what happened. On is the date that they mentioned? Is that the date when everyone got laid off at WWE? Uh, I, I don't remember the date they said. It That's what I was thinking they were alluding to. And then they kept like doing these, uh, you know. Um, cutbacks or like flashbacks to him being in the jail cell while everyone's running around and there's red lights and clearly something's going on. And then this Asian man shows up and like, he's, he's good to go. He's, he's out. And and like the interrogator's like, what? And like, it's just all very like cinematic. And then it reminded me a lot of Mox's, the first promo Mox did where he broke out the jail. Oh, you know, I didn't think of that. Uh, My girlfriend kind of, like mentioned that they were similar in nature. So I guess she probably, that's probably what she was thinking too. But I I was like, you know, there's clearly a theme there. Like he was in jail. Everyone was running around. It was crazy. Probably when everyone was getting laid off and then he gets released. And then this Asian man who I think represents new Japan, like shows up and he's like, and it's not, when I say Asian man, I'm not talking about like, like an ancient, like Sifu, like what they're doing on NXT, (laughs) like this cool ass, Fucking like someone from it reminded me of like and, Han and, Lu from like uh, Fast and Furious or some and, shit. An IWGP committee member. He seemed like a Yakuza guy or like some, <laughs> some compromised like you know dirty cop or some shit. Like it was like real gritty. Like it, it was like a it was cool. And then um they like he tries to talk to them like get dressed and they throw him like this these cool like threads and then he like walks into this gym and like they tell him to train and then he's like doing stuff and then he's the moth, you know, it was, it was cool. Um, not as cool as what stroke daddy's putting out there, but it's pretty, (laughs) it's pretty good. (laughs) Uh, 
Do you think there's any chance at all at the man of the hour, the moth? Can he can he pull an upset over the headbanger? I would put it at less than five percent. Mm. Um, my thinking here is a. I don't think Leo Rush is signed. Um, whether he continues to work with New Japan or, or not remains to be seen. I think there's a good chance he does continue to work with them. This kind of reminds me of the first round match last year between Will Ospreay and Amazing Red. Mm. Where it's like you knew Will was going through, but it was like a showcase for Amazing Red. That's what I feel like this is. This is like the big, this is the big first round match. And it's like the coming out party for Leo Rush again in a major company that's not GCW. But um, I don't think he's winning it. But right. I think he's going to, like, impress, if that makes sense. And then ELP being a heel, you could have him cheat to win, which protects Leo and kind of gives an excuse. I think Leo's going to put him over clean. I mean, I think there'll be some cheating, but I don't think he's going to have to, like, pull the tights and, you know, hit right. him with a foreign object. Maybe he will. I don't know. Well, remember, ELP was doing the whole, like, dick punch thing at one point, too. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I'm kind of like forgetting how how bad he cheated. Like you're probably <laughs> right, but um, I mean, my whole thing is you look at this whole list of guys, and the only two real New Japan guys that are like clearly signed from you know and are exclusive are Clark Connors and El Fantasmo, mm-hmm. and the only one that's got tenure over real tenure with big wins in big spots over in Japan is Phantasmo. And I'm guessing whoever wins this is in line for a big push. And they can do the whole story of like, he went back to back year, year one, year two, he's two time super J cup winner, right? Which no one has ever done. So it's this big accolade. So I'm thinking Phantasmo goes through to the second round. Yep. So yeah. And, and that's like my, what are you more excited about? ACH TJP or Phantasmo Leo rush? I think I'm more excited about Phantasma Leo Rush. I think I am too, especially since I saw ACH TJP in AAW this year, which it was good, but it didn't blow me. I mean, it was very good, but it didn't blow me away. Um, I I think I agree with you. So we got ELP going. So ELP will face Blake Christian according to our predictions. Um, and so then with ACH and Bay, uh, who you think would go through there? Well, I think it's very clear. I've got ACH going to the finals. Um, I think ACH Chris Bay would be an awesome match to see. And you know what? I would like it to be ACH because TJP and Chris Bay are both in impact together already. That's another, that kind of solidifies it for me is like, we're going to get the fresh match matchup in my opinion. So I think we're probably getting ACH going over Chris Bay in a very good match. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think ACH, especially ACH history in new Japan's junior division uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for him to get to the finals here. So, yeah, ACH defeating Bay to go to the finals of the tournament. Um, and then ELP and Christian, I think we're both in agreement that ELP will beat Blake Christian. I, I think so. I'm I'm still thinking there there is a chance that Ray Horace beats Blake Christian. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to defer and say it, it. I think it will end up being Phantasmo and Ray Horace. Okay. Just because I think they need to give a little bit of something to uh, – Ring of Honor, just throw him a little bone, throw him a little. The, the funny thing is, I don't think they've they've advertised Ray Horse as a Ring of Honor guy. I thought they did. Am I wrong in that? I can't. I don't remember them using the ROH logo. Maybe they did, and I'm just not remembering. But I don't know. But like, I'm just gonna defer from you. 
<laughs> well, either way, ELP is winning. Right. Whether it's Horace or Christian, we're going to get ELP versus ACH final. Yeah, and that sounds incredible. Um, ACH, we want to see more of him going forward. I think this is the right step in the right direction. I think him and Phantasmo sounds like an awesome final. Um, and then I think I think Phantasmo is winning, and I think you think that too. Yeah, I assume from day one, I assume that's how the bracket, uh, for all the reasons you listed earlier, I thought that that's what the reason why Phantasmo was winning. Um, Ren Rita and Carl Fredericks against Hikaleo and Kenta. I don't really have a prediction on that. Um, the one thing I'm excited about is just seeing Ren Rita come back because yeah. we haven't seen him all year. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing the Bullet Club team's going to win because technically Ren Rita is still a young lion, so he'll he'll eat the pinfall there. I didn't think of that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm excited that he'll be back, and yeah, because hopefully we'll see him going forward on strong. I am more excited for the Empty Arena America bastardized super Ju- super j cup show than i am for the nippon budokan world tag league super junior combined finals night <laughs> that's pretty sad <laughs> um but you know what on paper that those two finals combined actually do look really great uh you know what the undercard looks great yeah the undercard looks awesome and then i'm like well you know you'll get the tag league which will be what it is and then you'll get the really good Junior main events that will be that will probably be good. Yeah, I think it'll, it'll end up being a good show. Um, I hope when this is all over, Phantasmo gets on the mic and talks some shit, and maybe we get like an ish. Either we get a three way between him, Hiromu, and Ishimori, or we get night one him and Hiromu. Yeah, yeah, and so Hiromu has to beat him. Beat him to get to Taiji. I don't like to think of it that way because now, it, when you say it that way, it sounds like a double gold dash situation. <laughs> yeah. I don't like to think of it in those terms. Let's just say it would be cool that they fought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now moving on to NJPW Strong this past Friday. Oh. We had Rose Detonation. We had the continuing rivalry, rivalry between the Regal Twins and DKC and Clark Connors continuing with Sterling Regal getting the win over the DKC. We had Alex Zane defeating Blake Christian, which I um, imagine is going to be one of his last, last strong appearances here as he's now. Do, do we have all those signings in the news, or should we talk about it right now? Uh, I didn't put them in the news. Alex Zane went to WWE, so fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> and Russ I, Taylor. I think we mentioned it, though, last week. I don't know. Russ Taylor is also with WWE now, so fuck him. <laughs> um, no, I'm just playing. I, I'm, I'm just sad because... And also, it makes no sense. How is this going to play out? Because Russ Taylor just joined Team Filthy, and now, like, how's that work? <laughs> yeah, well, he's on on the next week's show, which I'll, I'll get to in a second here. I guess I'll start watching uh, NXT. NXT. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the main event of the show, they they had the Josh Smith special, the elimination uh, tag match here with Brody King, Finley, Juice, ACH, and Carl Fredericks defeating the Bullet Club team of Kenta, JY, Tangaloa, Tamatanga, and Hikaleo with. Brody King being the last to eliminate Kenta, which is going to set up one of the big matches for the Nation two-night tour that's coming up. So on Friday... Funny thing, Alex Zane left this year. He's also one of our newcomers of the year. I think this is the first time we've ever had a newcomer leave in the same, like... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Friday, uh, along with the Best Super Junior World Tag League Finals, will be night one of the Nation 
which will feature the continuing rivalry of Clark Carnes and DKC. They'll be t- tagging against the Regal Twins, Logan Sterling. Then there'll be Finn Juice and Mysterioso against Tangaloa, Chase Owens, and Hikaleo. Then Tamatonga will be facing ACH in semi-main, and the main event will be Switchblade Jay White versus the Alpha Wolf Carl Fredericks. And then on night two, Friday, December 18th, you will have Rocky Romero and Dane Limelight in a rematch. Jeff Cobb taking on Russ Taylor. And semi-main, PJ Black and Fred Rosser versus Tom Waller and J.R. Kratos. And in the main event, we will have Kenta defending once again <laughs> his right to challenge contract against Brody King. Asai, well, one thing before you get to these questions, I'm very excited for this uh, emerging um, Empire versus Team Filthy feud that seems to be, you know, occurring right now. (laughs) (laughs) Asai Yojimbo asked us, what are your thoughts on Kenta demanding the U.S. title? Is he rightfully annoyed at having defended the briefcase more times than Moxley has defended the U.S. belt as a two-time champ? Also... Juice beat Kenta in the G1 and asked for a chance at the briefcase, but he never got his chance before Wrestle uh, World Tag League. Do you think he at least deserves to be first in line after Wrestle Kingdom if he isn't somehow in that title match? Yeah, so I uh, also saw some funny interactions on Twitter with um, Kenta tweeting Renee Young, um, you know, how much time do I have to defend this briefcase? <laughs> 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 What did she say? She like tweeted a gif of like John Moxley kissing a camera. Uh, so yeah, obviously there is. She don't keep up with this shit. Also, <laughs> um, there's probably some. She's ca- probably listening. K, ca- yeah, I, I highly doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some kayfabe frustrations there of Kenta, you know, having to defend the briefcase multiple times, just won the title. We've talked about it numerous times, and now we get a lot of questions on this, and it, it's coming to a point now where they just gotta make a decision. Uh, you know, either you know Tony Khan needs to play ball and let Mox defend on a special strong show, or they just need to strip Mox of the title um, and have Kenta and give Kenta, have Kenta quote unquote cash in the briefcase for the title, or do some kind of matchup for Kenta or somebody for the title. I mean, yeah, man, I don't, I don't really know what to say because. Uh... You know, they got these rules in place about how long someone can hold a title and how often they have to defend, and they've alluded to it in press conferences. Um, They talked about, like, oh, well, we're going to freeze the contracts for the time while we were shut down. But once we came back, they had declared that they were, like, you know, going to restart them. But then everyone was able to come back except for John. And now, like... He, he's not coming back for for Wrestle Kingdom. Like you said, they just need to make a decision. Um, it does suck that they put the title on the guy two times and, like, almost no... I think he had one title defense, but, like, basically no real title defenses. This is why I thought that Suzuki should just win the belt earlier this year. That would have made the most sense, but they didn't do the shit. Um, obviously, they didn't know that a pandemic was coming, but, yeah, I mean... Kenta's defending this briefcase, and the briefcase don't mean shit. He could lose it at any time. And John Moxley's just chilling. <laughs> like, it kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, so I think they should just, I don't know. I think they should just, um, I don't know, probably just strip him. And I don't want to say, like, award the title to Kenta, 
Because that sounds shitty. Yeah. But, but I also don't want them to do like a... Uh, tournament. Another tournament. <laughs> Unless yeah. it was a really... Maybe they could do like a title eliminator match. I don't know who. Let's just throw some... I don't know. Sonata and Juice. And then the winner fights Kenta. Something like that. I'm yeah. just spitballing. Yeah, they can do that. As far as like his other question about Juice being next in line, obviously we've we've seen Juice kind of be kind of synonymous with the U.S. title and getting U.S. title shot. So it, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if Finn Juice doesn't win the tag titles, it, that Juice would end up back in that U.S. title picture. Did he help? He's held that title, U.S. title. I'm just playing. <laughs> seems like a really long time ago. It does, yeah. Viking Pain asked us, with Moxley out of Wrestle Kingdom 15 this year, where does that leave Kenta and his U.S. title shot? Perhaps a match for the vacant title at Wrestle Kingdom 15? And he also asked, do you guys think Tom Lawler will have a possible future with New Japan long-term? I've been enjoying his work in Strong and would love to see him work with guys like Goto, Ishii, and Suzuki. Yeah, as far as Kenta at the Dome... No idea. Uh, it seems like they're, they're still hesitant to want to strip Moxley before Tokyo Dome. Maybe they do another contract defense and then strip him afterwards. I'm not sure. Ditto. I mean, yeah. I, I pretty much agree with you. I don't have much more to add to that. Um, and then Tom, Tom Lawler. Um, not sure what the future long term is going to be. Obviously, New Japan, we've seen them kind of working with MLW a little bit here with them kind of back and forth using guys. And so maybe once... Uh, you know, also the, they're starting to get more of the U.S. guys into Japan. So maybe that's something if MLW wants to kind of work more with New Japan to let Tom Lawler go on a, a tour there. I think that would be cool. Uh, but I think the possibilities are open. Well, we talked about when they started this show, how how much is it going to affect the kayfabe and the overall like continuity of the, the regular product? And the reality is you could literally watch all of the Japanese stuff and ignore the American stuff. And it's like, it never happened. It's basically dragon ball GT at this point. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's fan fiction, bro. It really is like literally fan fiction. So, um, they're not doing anything. Like there's no VTRs over in Japan. Super J cup was like the first mention. This is the first real thing that's happened in America since, Literally since February when they were doing the uh, New Beginning in USA tour. Like, everything in between that, bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I'm sorry. Actually, Kenta winning the briefcase. Right, yeah, that's the other thing. That's the one other thing. But they didn't, like, even explain how it happened. He got this red briefcase, bro. Oh, here's Kenta with the briefcase. He's got it. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, no one in Japan knows who... Filthy Tom Lawler is because they haven't worked him into any VTRs. No one's mentioned him on promos. He's a non-entity. Um, once I see them introduce him to the storylines in some meaningful way, then I would believe he has a future. Right now, I just think he's a freelancer that is very good. That they just happen to have be able to get dates on him, and you know that's and it's cool, and they're doing and it's fun, but it's Dragon Ball GT, you know. Super Saiyan 4 is not real. Right. <laughs> so Tom Tom Waller is Super Saiyan 4 Goku. Yeah, it's not real. He's <laughs> child Goku. <laughs> um, so moving on, uh, kind of, I mean, the, the big news for this week is mainly what was going on with the tournaments. Um, 
We had the, the free match of the week, best super junior uh, four finals, Koji Kanemoto versus El Samurai, which we reviewed during the final countdown. Uh, my man, Koji Kanemoto. Do you remember what we ranked that out of the top 10 matches for uh, all time super junior finals? I'm blanking right now. It was our number two ranked match. Mm. That's high. Yes. So go out of your way to watch that one if you haven't watched it. If you haven't it seen yet. it. Something wrong with you. You need to go watch this shit. It's awesome. And you should go back and listen to our final countdown series. Or we need to finish the final countdown. We got like two we've got the tape and we <laughs> done the last. <laughs> There's been a lot to watch, man. It's two matches. We got a free week this week. How about maybe we just do it this week? Yeah. I don't know. Well we'll see. Or or at least watch the shit. Yeah. I don't know. Um also there's been reports of Tony Khan. Being in contact with our good friend Rocky Romero on potentials of New Japan and AEW working together, and with Harold May out of the picture, uh, thinking it might be a little bit easier to work together. Well, all I know is I've been hitting up Rocky, talking about trying to work with New Japan, and nothing's come of it. So if Tony's in the same camp as me, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Um, yeah, I mean, hey. We've we've analyzed this to death. I'm open to it. If it doesn't happen, I really don't care. I'm fine either way. Uh, we have a question here from Viking Pain. He says, first off, I just want to say there are four things that would survive a nuclear holocaust. Cockroaches, Twinkies, Nakia 3310 cell phones, Impact Wrestling. Now, with that said, recently AEW has opened the forbidden window by partnering up with Impact, which is hilarious because AEW uses dual interest tunnels like TNA once did. Besides that, with recent news that Tony Khan is open to working with everyone and him reaching out to Rocky Romero regularly to try to build a bridge of New Japan, when do you guys expect to see Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, Dr. Luther, Shaquille O'Neal, and the rest of the AEW roster on New Japan Strong? Um, instead of answering this question directly, I will say this. We took a pause in the middle of this recording. You're not going to be able to tell when, but we took a little pause because we're recording this as... TNA Impact or whatever the show is called. Impact Wrestling. Yeah, we, we jumped on Twitch and we had it in the background. We saw Don Callis and Kenny Omega uh, do their promo and it was awesome and I really loved it. And we saw like where they did the, the interview with Tony Khan and um, Tony Shivani on the rival television station and like it, it just reminded me of like mid-80s territory wrestling when national TV became a thing and, like, you would hear about, like, you would see Jim Crockett alluding to what happened in Mid-South and vice versa. And, or, like, it it also kind of reminded me of, like, when Vince McMahon showed up on USWA a little bit, had that kind of energy. Um, The promo with Kenny and Don Callis was really cool. It reminded me quite a bit of... um, when Ric Flair was doing the contract signing on the boat uh, on, I think, Clash of the Champions just prior to his Starcade date with um, Lex Luger. So, I mean, a lot of old-school influence. Um, but I'm saying all that to say this. The fact that the wrestling world is open on that side and these two companies are really willing to work together in some capacity and what it's going to turn into, I don't know. You know, what it will or won't be remains to be seen. I would love it for more of that to happen in the wrestling world. If New Japan could be part of that, that would be very cool. I don't know if they will or won't. I'm not, like, advocating for it. But um, 
could it happen? Absolutely. And I think a lot of, you know, I think a lot of people who like claim that they would hate it, maybe they would hate it, but I think the majority of people secretly deep down would actually really like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, being a fan of both promotions, I would be down for that. I think there's a, there's a lot of benefits that could come from both promotions working together. Um, and if they do work together, I don't, I don't think it's going to be on, on a new Japan strong capacity. I think once travel gets easier, you're going to see, you would see top AEW guys traveling to Japan, but also we don't know if that's going to happen when that's going to happen. But I, I would be um, excited about that. One thing in the past is I've, I've talked about like, why would new Japan need this? You know, they don't need it. They've already got the guys on, you know, that, that, have the open contracts can come work for them. Yada, yada. I've also talked about like the power structure, the a side versus the B side and how that's an issue. And that's a real thing. But one thing that we've, I kind of overlooked. I don't know if you, I don't think you have, I, I I'll take all the brunt on this. The buzz factor. I mean, it's very clear right now. New Japan's, um, popularity in the West and it's down, it's down. Their visibility is down. Um, you know, for news story of the year, when we do our <laughs> when we do our year end awards, we try not to like tell you what you should or shouldn't do. But this isn't the year end awards episode, so I can kind of like admonish you people. How dare you guys <laughs> not fucking vote for <laughs> New Japan losing their US TV deal as one of the news stories of the year? That's one of the biggest fucking news stories of the entire year. And it's got so little votes, but apparently a kayfabe storyline is a much bigger deal than them handling COVID or them losing their president or them losing their TV deal. <laughs> Go figure, you know, but Naito's awesome, right? Fuck. <laughs> Anyways, um, them losing that TV deal was a huge deal as far as their visibility goes in the States. It would probably go a really long way, a really long way. And I, I think I undervalued how, how impressive it would be for them to work with the second largest company in North America. I mean, it would help both companies immensely, immensely. I mean, I mean even what we saw tonight on Impact, well, even starting last week on Dynamite, they plugged people to watch Impact this coming up week. And then on Impact, they're plugging people to watch Dynamite. And we're seeing this synergy where they're plugging each other's stuff. So, I mean, them advertising like New Japan World on TNT, you know, they're, they're getting between 800,000 and a million uh, viewers a week. Like, that's great exposure for, the, for New Japan World and it gets, it gets some subscriptions there. Yeah, and I think what they're doing with Impact and AEW so far, just in the one week it's happened, is very cool. Now, will it end up being great long-term? Maybe, maybe not. It's, it, it's hard to see. But this is sort of like a soft run for what could potentially happen between New Japan and AEW if the two sides ever did decide to work together. And I think it would be um, advantageous for both of them. The one thing I will say, when multiple companies have worked together on a major level in the past, it has always failed. The second thing is whoever the smaller company is, if there's ever a situation where there's a big company, a small company, it always fucks over the small company. Right. That's what history's told us. Will that play out the same way here? Maybe, maybe not. I, I hope not because I think the intentions of everybody involved is to spread as much goodwill to try and expand the audiences of everyone involved. 
Um, we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, I'm fine if New Japan never works with AEW, but I just think, like, they don't know what they're doing in America very clearly. Right. And there's another company that does, and I know they wanted to expand to America, but, like, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. So they might as well, like, work with someone who's in the big league. I don't know, man. Like, it's not working working with Ring of Honor. It's not working doing this strong shit. You know, your touring schedule sucked. Like, you guys had the opportunity two years ago. You guys fucked it up. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. Let's move on. We have a few other uh, last questions here. Uh, first, from Ray, he's going to Dodds. He says, uh, NJW strong superstar Brody King is challenging Roosh for the Ring of Honor title at Final Battle. Do you think he's going to take home the gold? Probably. When's Final Battle? I didn't even know they were doing that. Uh, sometime at the end of this month. I, I don't know the after. Oh, that's right. That's their big show at the end of, end of December. Yeah. yeah, I mean, probably. Let's let's do it. Brody King. Yeah, I mean, Roosh has held on to the title for a while now. Roosh sucks. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think, especially with Brody kind of out of the whole villain enterprises thing. Well, uh, isn't, like, something going on with... Apparently, Marty's... There was a picture of Marty in a suit that's been going around the internet. People are saying that he's at... Baltimore for the uh, final battle, like tapings, the, the tapings for the go home for that kind of stuff. So I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, Villain Enterprises is disbanded. So regardless, this would be a great opportunity for Brody King. You know, it's funny is like it'll probably fly completely under the radar because that whole speaking out was so long ago, and Ring of Honor is such a small company. No one really notices what happens over there anyways. He'll probably it'll probably be fine. <laughs> I don't know. I feel because it's Marty and just because he was a member a big star. Of, of the elite, I think it's gonna get a little bit more attention. Okay. Well, um, we got a question here from Ablu three. Can you rank the current young lions in terms of potential? And do you think that Narita is going to be a young lion at the Super J Cup? And do you think Shingo has evil at the dome? So I'll start. Um, in terms of potential, I mean, who are we ranking? So we'd be ranking Yumura, Suji, Connors, Fredericks, God. and Coughlin. That's really hard. Um, I'll go Yumura one, Suji number two. I mean, Gabe Kid three, Clark Connors four, and Coughlin five. And I that. I guess that's their current standings in the company anyways. It sounds mean, but it's not because it's such a strong class. I mean, any one of those guys could go on. Yeah, I was trying to, I'm trying to think. I think I, I would go in that exact same order as well. Um, yeah, and, all, and all, all of them are great. So it's not really a knock on, you know, Coughlin being on, on the bottom there. But um, the other question he had was, um, yeah, I think Narita's for sure going to be young line at the Super J Cup because he's still on excursion, so I think that's a given. And I don't think Shingo has evil at the Dome uh, just because they had Shingo on the world title, double title level, and I don't think they're ready to relegate him to never status. They they very rarely, evil. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, evil. They very rarely relegate world champions down to the never status. Uh, so I think the him having Sonata at the Dome sounds more plausible. I think I think that makes sense. You need something for Sonata um, coming off that G1 finals and not winning the World Tag League. So I, th- I think a Sonata evil 
kind of clash makes a ton of sense to do with Dome. Dom Homie 101 asked us, where do you guys think Tanahashi, Kenta, Sonata, Evil, and Suzuki fit on the Wrestle Kingdom card this year? Um, I, I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, Tanahashi at this point, I'm hoping is just for something. It looks like maybe Great Okan, Kenta, no idea. Sonata, it seems like Sonata and Evil makes a lot of sense. Suzuki yeah, might be in that never six man gauntlet. You know, it's just. Um, it's like what I talked about earlier. When you do one thing, you do it to the detriment of another. There's When you're deciding on some things, you're always sacrificing other things. And you kind of have to decide if, if the juice is worth the squeeze. They decided to do World Tag League and Super Juniors in December, allowing them only three shows. And this is coming right off the heels of Power Struggle and uh, G1. They only have three shows to really establish anything else for Wrestle Kingdom. We don't even have a full Wrestle Kingdom card, which I think by this time we at least have some semblance of a card. We don't really have that yet. There hasn't been a press conference. Well, I mean, we got the big matches. We have the on, on two big matches, right? So that we have Naito Ibushi, then the winner of Naito Ibushi facing Jay White on night two, and then Okada Osprey. Okay, we got a couple. But normally, I think we have a pretty fleshed out card for the most part. I'm guessing they're they're waiting for the end of these two tournaments to figure things out and, and announce it. But it's like, it's very clear they got two nights to fill. They got a lot of stars here that he just listed. And we don't know what any of them are actually doing yet. We don't know what any of these six guys are doing. And I'm sure there's others that we could think of that were like, I don't know what they're doing. We'll figure it out, I guess. <laughs> um, it doesn't feel like the most cohesive, strongly booked Tokyo Dome the way that, like, the last couple years have felt. I mean, last year also felt a little discombobulated, too. Yeah. He also, or did you have anything to add to that? No. No. Uh, It's that time again. What are the young boys' thoughts on Spence versus Garcia fight? What's the future of both fighters? What are Spence's chance against guys like Manny Pacquiao, Terrence Crawford, and Canelo? Also thoughts on Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul and thoughts on De La Hoya trying to get a comeback fight against Triple G. Um, So a lot going on in boxing. I'll be clear, um, Dom Homie 101, these days I'm kind of following MMA more than boxing. For most of my life I've kind of really stayed up on both of them. But um, in this COVID era I just haven't watched a lot of empty arena boxing, to be honest with you, uh, for whatever reason. And, you know, let's take a look at Spence. I mean – I've been waiting for Spence to fight Bud Crawford <laughs> for so m- too many years now, and it, that doesn't happen in MMA, and that's one of the big reasons I've kind of fallen out with it. It's like, why is he fighting Danny Garcia? Or, um, did he fight Danny Garcia this year or this past fight? I think he did. Um, but anyways, I didn't actually even see that fight. I, I uh, planned to watch it. I saw, you know, all the reports that Garcia or that Spence just pretty much um, boxed his socks off. And, you know, Garcia's probably too small for him anyways, probably should go back down to 140. But um, I think both guys have – I mean, Garcia's still a great fighter. Spence is the truth. A lot of people want to talk shit and say he's not. And let's also put in perspective, this guy's coming off of – you know, he almost died when he crashed his, what was it, Ferrari, Lamborghini, something like that. And, like, the fact he's still – World champion and fighting at a world world champion level is insane. Um, 
I think he should fight Manny Pacquiao. I think he beats Manny Pacquiao pretty easily at this point. Uh, that might surprise some people, but I think uh, Manny reminds me of like Roberto Duran or like Leonard in like '89. They're they're past it, but they're still big names and they're players. But he's pretty much done. And yeah, I I know he beat, you know, uh, freaking, oh God, I forget his name. Our boy from here in Clearwater, uh, Thurman. But uh, I actually thought Thurman beat Pacquiao in that fight anyways. But (laughs) anyways, um, Terrence Crawford is a whole different beast altogether. And I I think Canelo's much too big for him and too good. Terrence Crawford, I think he could be... I think if they fought a year or two ago, Terrence Crawford tears him apart. But uh, the last couple times I saw Terrence fight, I saw Terrence getting hit with needless shots that he didn't need to take, and I think he's slowing down. And I think uh, time might be – I'm not saying he's done, but I think Spence could probably get him out of there. Um, Mayweather, Logan Paul, it's a freak show fight. I love freak show fights. I'm a big fan of the Pride era. But, uh, I mean, I think it's criminal – uh, Floyd, here's the one thing. Floyd is a safe guy, <laughs> as safe as you could possibly be. He did incredible business with um, Conor McGregor. And when I say business, I don't mean like they drew. I mean, they were literally working <laughs> together. I mean, uh, he took care of Conor McGregor and didn't hurt him needlessly. And I'm sure that's what would, hap- what would happen with Logan Paul. Uh, I think he gets Logan Paul out of there quick, just like he did to uh, Tension over in Japan. Um, Logan Paul is big, though, much, much bigger than Floyd and very athletic, so I'm not even sure how they sanction this sort of shit. But Logan Paul, he, he, he could probably beat up your average guy on the street, could probably beat up me, most people, but he's not going to beat up Floyd Mayweather. So, I mean, I'm still going to watch it. but <laughs> And Dale Hoy is tripping, like, I don't know what the fuck he thinks. I don't know why he thinks he could beat Triple G. I saw the statements. Uh, I think it's just a uh, publicity grab. Um, So that's pretty much it. I mean, yeah. Nice. So let's close off here with the recommended match of the week. Last week, my recommended match was the Never Open Weight Tournament Finals between Machine Gun Carl Anderson and Masato Tanaka, November 9th, 2012. Young boy, what did you think about this match? This was a match I never saw before. It's a match that I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, they did a lot of like lengthy brawling on the outside. Very interesting. I didn't recognize that arena that they're working in. Me either. Standing room only. There was no chairs. Did you notice that? Yeah, it's kind of like the Orpheum. Similar to that, yeah. But, um, you know, uh, who is the referee? Mario, uh, Marty Asami or whatever his name is? I don't remember who was refereeing. All I know is he couldn't get control. He let those guys brawl on the outside forever. Um, But once the match started going, it was pretty good. Where it really heated up was they they had a table that was set up from earlier in the match, and um, Carl Anderson um, does a spike pile driver, essentially, or a similar move to spike pile driver through the the table to the outside on Masato Tanaka. Somehow, he tried to protect Tanaka, but somehow Tanaka's elbow got busted open, so he's bleeding everywhere. That's when the match really started heating up. A lot of teases of Anderson's gun stun, but Tanaka just keeps hitting him with roaring elbows and lariats, and these guys were just killing each other at the end. Really awesome sequences. And then eventually Tanaka just, like, hits him with a sliding 
elbow and pins him one, two, three. And um, I wouldn't quite call this a strong style match, but there's definitely some allusions to that style. Um, a lot more athletic than people would probably anticipate. Carl Anderson was just fucking awesome in 2012. Um, this is the way I remember him. And if, I do recommend if you've never seen Carl Anderson work from like 2012, 2013, like period, you need to go back and rewatch those matches he's had. This one is, um, this is good. I'd probably go like, I don't know, three and three quarters, four stars. It's not like, uh, for historical purpose, you know, it's the first never open weight title match. It's a good match. It's short too. So, I mean, I I'd recommend it. Um, but it's not like blow away, but it's very good. I mean, and it's Masato Tanaka. I mean, he's still, he always brings it. He's still like going at a top level in like what DDT right now, I think. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this match quite a bit. Nice. So what's the match for this week? So earlier today we were in the group chat and people were talking about all Japan and new Japan and Noah, and they're talking about Kings road and they're talking about strong style. And I was like, all right, Let's pull out an actual Kings Road versus Strong Style match. And I decided to pick one that I just knew Jeremy would flip over. So August 1st, 1998, I checked. It is on New Japan World. Shinya Hashimoto versus Genichiro Tenryu. Mm. And these two guys, let me just say this. I think Tenryu is Hashimoto's best opponent ever. I don't think... Hashimoto is his best opponent, but I think he's Hashimoto's best opponent ever. Multiple matches between these guys, uh, for, I think, like, starting in 93, going up to, like, 99, 2000, never had less than, like, a near four-star match or better. This is the best of them. And um, the one tagline I will give you guys, if you've never seen this match, before there was Ishii and Shibata, there was Tenryu and Hashimoto. Mm. That that sells it right there. <laughs> I am telling you, it is one of the it is as hard hitting or actually, you know what? It is more hard hitting than 95% of the matches in New Japan today. Wow. And I'm not shitting you when I say that. <laughs> So you got to see this shit. Uh, Dave Meltzer gave it four and three quarters, by the way. It's not four and three quarters. I'm probably like four and a half on it, but he gave it four and three quarters at the time. And uh, it's only 14 minutes. Hey, so- sounds great to me. So yeah. looking forward to taking that out. And that's going to wrap things up for this week's episode of Keeping a Strong Style. Next, we'll be back to review the World Tag League, Best Super Junior, and Super J Cup Finals. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com. Slash donate, click on that donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Be sure to connect with us on social media. The show is at KI Strong Style. The network at Social Suplex. I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. On Facebook, we are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. In the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, we are at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the Pro Black Guy. Y'all just keeping strong style. You can email me, Jeremy at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have Lunation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. We have the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show from Scotland. We have the Grave Consequences Podcast with Caleb and Maserati. 8 Bit Suplex with Josh Number Two and Sandy. 
We have All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin and Great Match Generator with Danny and Beast Mike. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Get your votes in. Ichiban. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.